Just a friendly reminder that the opinions expressed on this show are not worth a Canadian penny, so disregard anything you hear that might get anyone in trouble. And despite some of the great ideas you may hear, don't try them at home. Go to friend's house instead. And welcome to episode 199 of Slamfire Radio for March 24th, 2017. I'm one of your hosts, Matthew. And I'm Adriel. I'm Kelly. I'm Trevor. And here we all are. Hello. How many of of us are sick right now? (laughs) All of us. I think I'm in the clear. Yeah. I I, I infected Kelly, and now she's suffering. Perfect. uh, You you infected her over the the computer, right? Somehow, I got her sick over the internet. Yeah, that well, she got a virus. I guess it was a virus. Yeah. Oh, yes. see, yeah. we finish each other's sandwiches. Sandwiches. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly's like, oh, I know this one now because we <laughs> joked about it before the show. Pick me, pick me. <laughs> uh, well, you heard it right, folks. One hundred ninety-nine. That means next week is one hundred ninety-nine and a half, and we'll have Brian Bolivar on again. <laughs> That's right. We did that, didn't we? Remember that? That was hilarious. That was the funniest yeah. thing we've done since ever. Just to make sure that he wasn't on the episode one hundred. Did you know that technically that means this is episode two hundred? Ah, oh. technically. So Brian, Brian, we we burned him and he burned us all at the same time. Yeah. Isn't that great? It's true. Isn't it great? Let's no, our official 200th show is next week, though, and we are having a live show, so you guys can log on. How do we do that, Adriel? Tell tell the listeners how that YouTube. happens, because you're there'll technical. Be there'll be a, a YouTube link, link and uh, it'll be in the show notes for today, and you just need to click on that when we're doing the thing. It should have like a, t- uh, uh, what do you, a countdown on there, so you should be able to just see when to log on, log on, and watch us uh, you know, do this live. Cool. So the link will be on our website. It'll we'll also post it on Facebook for but for those of you who are not Facebookers, you can just go to our website and the link will be there in the show notes. Just click on that and you can uh, join in with uh with what's been going on. So, yeah, that'll be cool. I'm looking forward to that. Do we do we know what we're doing? Like, well, is it gonna, I, it's it's going to be special, right? All it's I just know that, is I can I can either be on time or I can be wearing pants. Listeners shouldn't expect both. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, it is really one or the other with it Trevor. Is. Yeah. So yeah. we're well, not if in, you're not wearing pants, sorry, but if you're not wearing pants, we can see your legs. See how the hair is growing. Yeah, well, the hair. I, you know what? I think the hair is. Well, no, that. Never mind. I got a little excited for a second, and then I saw that. No, it's 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 on its way though. Okay. Sorry, Matthew. I cut you off. I took okay. it. I was basically going to say the same thing anyway, because <laughs> okay. you and I finish each other's sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> She's always so excited to say it now that she knows that's something slightly. Like, can't get it out fast enough. Uh, yeah. By so the way, it's pronounced sandwich. Yeah, it is no, sandwich. No, sandwich. Do you know? Do you know sandwich. why you can't starve in the desert? Because there's sandwiches. Because of all the sandwiches there. Oh, all the sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awful. All right, I log into on talk. On talk comes free. You get what yep. you pay for. Yep. <laughs> that being said, it is time to start digging up. Let's dig up. Okay, well, I did not do much with guns this week, but I did, did do a little, so I'll talk about that real quick, and then we'll go on to Trevor, who will um, talk for longer. Ever. Um, I got three things, jerks. Three things. <laughs> and you'll take 30 minutes to talk about each one of them, probably. I will now. 
<laughs> Challenge accepted. You brought this on to yourselves. <laughs> I don't mind. So last week we were talking about, did, did we mention on the show that I was looking for an AFG, or was that just, like, not on the show? That was just Yeah, that was on chat. the show, I think. I think it was just mm. private chat, actually. Whatever, I mm. sent you an AFG. Yeah, I was looking for an angle foregrip for my uh, PIR, and Trevor uh, had one, so he sent it to me. And it arrived, like, not very long ago. And now ago. I need one. <laughs> and now he needs one, which is hilarious. It is. Um, but I don't, I'm, I, you can have it back, 60 bucks. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. You charge me 20 so I figure 60 is, you know, reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> it. I mean, I've touched it now, so its value has increased exponentially. Yeah. Technically, you paid like 14 because I got bent I did. over on shipping. Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> I'm okay with it. I'll buy you a coffee or something. Perfect. Yeah. You Thank take you uh, triple triple, right? Nope, Dark Roast yeah. Black. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I did know. Actually, I didn't know you went to Dark Roast. When did you go to Dark Roast? When they stopped serving brown water and called it Dark Roast. They changed oh. it. Now it's, uh, yeah. Cool. I've, I've liked, uh, I like the original Dark Roast, and I, I like the new Dark Roast, too. But then again, I just like coffee, so. You're going to get us fired. You do know this is a, a gun show, right? Yeah, we're, so we're talking about dark things, like guns are black <laughs> and coffee's black, and... <clears throat> So, yeah. anyway, angle foregrip arrived. I wanted it for my PAR because the PAR sometimes pumps hard with, with new shells when they in, in the chambers. It's, it's working itself in. It, it's, it's, it's much slicker than it was, but the angled foregrip uh, makes it slicker and gives me more uh, grippage. Grippage for slippage. Grippage, yeah. We did less, talk about it last we did week. We did. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So, anyway, it arrived, and uh, the grippage uh, is much, much reduced. I took off. It comes with like rail covers, and it makes the the pump like sort of exaggeratedly big, and exaggeratedly is now a word apparently. I took them all off and just put the angled foregrip on there, and it works just fine. I don't feel like my hands are going to get scraped up and scratched up by uh, by the rails. The angled foregrip actually takes a lot of the brunt of that, so it it works really nice. I uh, I cleared the house several times with it, so that was fun. Hopefully the neighbors weren't looking through the windows because they would have seen some weird stuff, but uh, that's normal anyway. Huh. So that's basically it. Uh, the only trigger I pulled was on the PAR, and it was all uh, dry fire. I haven't shot a live round in uh, a couple weeks now, so i got to get that done. But it's been cold, so I'm a wuss. I don't go to the range when it's cold. So anyway, that's what I did. So Trevor, tell us uh, tell us what you've done. Um, picked up a few of the projects from the gunsmith. I got back my Savage Model 99 and my Kui Model 84. Posted pictures of that on... Um, Facebook, our Facebook page. So he does tremendous work when it comes to hot blowing firearms. A lot of people are saying, wow, well, I've got an old gun that I could, you know, that uh, I could get restored, especially since his prices are competitive. So um, super happy, got them thrown back together and uh, then put them, put them away again. Uh, putting the scope back on that Savage Model 99 was a challenge. Uh, I think I'm going to end up replacing the rings because the rings that are on there aren't actually the right size. And I didn't know this until I ripped it apart, but they were the ones that have been sitting on the gun since 1954. So it's like Muffin said, well, it's not like you're going to shoot all the time anyway. It's always been that way. Just leave it. So It adds a certain certain charm <clears throat> to yeah. the gun. Well, it affects my OCD. It, which is <clears throat> part of my charm. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> so... Uh, and then the um, uh, Magpul stock that Kelly bought me for shaving my legs. Thank you, Kelly. It is awesome. I love oh, this thing. Love that's it. Good. Yeah, I'm it's glad awesome. That you like it. Uh, so I threw that together. Um, it needs a piece of glass desperately. The glass that's on there was on 
the other 1022 that I brought back from Halifax that started this whole thing. And whoever had it before my buddy Jeff actually has dimpled the tube from putting, tightening the rings too tight. It's, uh, yeah, it's just a, it's a cheap Buckner or something like that scope, but whatever, it'll get me going until I get that AR Bushnell scope that, uh, Matthew has and filthy has, and you can check out the review of Matthew's scope or Matthew did a review of that scope on his channel. And it's the, Bushnell are you looking to buy one? Yeah, I am. Yeah. I've got one sitting on my shelf. Oh, no way. For, for sale though. Or, uh, well, it's just sitting up. No, I've already replaced it with a different scope. So remember how I priced yeah. the AFG yeah. for Trev? I think you should price this scope accordingly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely, Adriel. We will talk after the show, and I will send you some cash. That's fantastic. They really are cool scopes. It's the yeah. uh, the Bushnell AR twenty two. That's it. That's the, the one, Adriel. Wondering. Oh, twenty two or two two three. Twenty two. Well, I'll take the two two three as well because I oh. need one for. Uh, I need something to put on my uh, Matador arms. That's a good idea. Uh, yeah. okay. All right, cool. So I'm still taking it. Um, <laughs> and then I stripped my Remington 700 uh, TAC-21 chassis apart last night to get some refinishing work on that. One of the things that was done when it was built by North Shore Barrels in Ontario was he just simply trim-gladded the barrel, took some black spray paint, and that's what he put on the barrel. So, of course, it's not staying. Um so I'm going to bring it to the gunsmith and have the barrel and the receiver parkerized as one unit. And there's some scratches on the chassis, so I'm going to get the chassis reparkerized as well because OCD. Did you uh, say that a gunsmith uh, black spray painted your barrel? Yes, I did. Why did they do that? It's the same gunsmith who couldn't cut a chamber straight, Adriel. I mean, the man is out of business, obviously, for a reason. Hmm. So he not your certain... current gunsmith, then? No, the guy who <laughs> built... Back when we were on CRR, yeah. and I first bought the TAC-21 chassis, I sent the, the receiver out to North Shore Barrels. He took the barrel off, the original barrel, which was unused, and kept it and didn't deduct anything off my bill. Uh, cut a crooked chamber. It made me wait six months longer than you. Thank you for opening up this wound, Matt. <laughs> this, is, this is, oh, yeah. No, I, I yeah. He made me wait six months longer than I should have because... Um, I asked for a 308. He thought I wanted a 260. Every time I'd look for an update, I'd send him three questions. He'd answer two. One of the questions is always, why does the invoice say 260? I ordered a 308. And then one day I snapped at him. He's like, I'm sensing you're upset. <laughs> oh, yes. Now tell me, why does my invoice say 260 when I ordered a 308? He's like, you ordered a 308? I got lots of 308 blanks. Oops, I'm sorry. So he put an extended bolt handle on my on my bolt to make up for the. Uh, and the did boot. that make up for it? It no. didn't. Um, no. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> I was supposed to buy a Timney trigger. He's like, you know, I do a pretty good job of uh, tuning a factory trigger. Did right, you do, a, you do, did that, you do a pretty then? good job? No, it started nope. to malfunction. <laughs> so all around, pretty much the only thing I got out of it. Well, I mean, I got a good barrel. Uh, oh wait, no, I had to have nope. a new chamber cut. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Uh, I got a good price on the chassis. I did. So, yeah. you know, anyway. Uh, yeah. So I ripped that all apart. And then I took the um, the parts off and put on my new Matador arm Sabretooth chassis with my new SKS. More on that you later. You got an SKS? <laughs> I got two SKSs. Oh, boy. I just won. That's it. Yeah. End the show. The show is over. <laughs> That's it. We've, got, yeah. Yeah. We've basically reached the pinnacle. Yeah. yeah. Hell is the, frozen. The unthinkable has been thought. Yep. 200 yeah. episodes of podcasting later, Trevor bought an SKS. He's all over, boys. 
yeah. pack her in. There's really not much left to talk about. Well, it's as I've said, and I've said this a couple of times uh, throughout the interview that's coming up, um, it's not that I wanted an SKS, it's that I wanted this chassis. And the first thing I did was attach a mag, pull PRS stock to it, and now that it's been announced that I have it, I'm going to post pictures online. I'm not saying I'm going to tag that guy who makes 3D printed parts for SKS rifles, but I am going to say, like, look, this is the only way you should attach a PRS stock to an SKS. And by the way, yes, I did pay for that PRS stock. I did put a PRS <laughs> on an SKS. Like, your your butt stock costs mm-hmm. more than your rifle. So well, like, what, double, triple? How much no. was, it, what was the PRS? PRS was like 250 when I got it. Okay, so just double. Just double yeah. the cost of the full rifle for the yeah. butt stock. Yeah. Well, but a lot of people, get... a lot of people say, "Oh, the gun's so cheap, you you shouldn't upgrade it." But my view is, "Well, the gun's so cheap now, I can afford to upgrade it." Well, it's well, a there's... precision platform, so you need like a really ergonomic buttstock on it, so you can get a good cheek weld, and you can really squeeze all the accuracy out of the platform. Well, you have right? to squeeze all the accuracy out of it that you can just to make it functional. Yeah, you got to give it all the help it can get. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a it's a battle rifle. It's a rack raid rifle. It it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. And what it is is better than I thought. Right. It really it really is. Um, when I got the SKS home and started to tear apart and look at it, first of all, I started to appreciate it as a milserp. So that's why I bought a second one because this one was sold to the gunsmith. From the, from the distributor as a collector grade. Well, let me tell you, it's not a collector grade. Super, all the numbers match. A Russian SKS with matching numbers is not that uncommon. But this thing is not of a quality that could be called collector's grade. The stock need to be refinished. The bluing is worn in places. It's not collector grade. So I said, refinish this one and get me another one to put inside the Matador Arms chassis. So the second one arrived, which wasn't supposed to be collector's grade, and it is collector's grade. The rifle is mint. There's not a mark on it. It's unissued. It's just fantastic. So he actually refinished the stock for me. He did some research, found out what the SKS stocks were originally finished in. He stripped it, took out any little dings or dents that were there, and refinished it in the original product and color that it was uh, originally finished in. It looks fantastic. Now I'm going to bring up my Mosin because the SKS and the Mosin are going to get put on display on the wall with the Enfields in the man cave in accordance with Canadian uh, safe storage regulations, blah, 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 of course. But since they're non-restricted, they need only be unlocked and trigger, or unloaded and trigger locked. So it's not going to be hard to display them and still have them look kind of cool. So, yeah, um, I haven't shot it yet. So before I do any other work to it, I'm going to take it out and shoot it. And if I can get, you know, acceptable SKS accuracy, then it's going back to the gunsmith, but not to be blued, to be parkerized. And I'm actually going to parkerize the bolt as well, because you got this big, shiny stainless steel bolt and everything else is black. So, you know, OCD much. I'll just get everything anodized black, including the bolt and the bolt carrier, so that it all kind of blends in and looks fresh. Because the stock looks fresh, but the gun looks worn. So, again, ACD, not having it. ACD? OCD. No, ACDC. ACDC? Yeah, ACDC. I wait a half. Black and black? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, there it is. (laughs) Good good job, Adriel. So, finally, the last thing I did to this today was... um, the SKS bolt locks into its internal magazine, and I guess this is the feature so that you can't dump your mag and lose your ammo when the bolt is closed and around is in battery. So when you switch to a duckbill mag, it functions the same way. You can only insert it when the bolt is open 
And then when the bolt is closed, the bag is locked in. So there are two rails that are machined onto the bolt that you need to remove. So I did that. I put the bolt in the vise and I got out the Dremel and the grinding wheels and sanding discs. And I removed that. It's called the, uh, SKS bolt modification for detachable mags or something like that. So I picked up one of those, uh, polymer 20 round mags, pin to five duckbill jobbies and install that today when I got home from work. So I'm very much looking forward to getting out on Saturday and giving this a go. It also has my loophole Mark AR that's off of my three gun rifle. It's on one of those Burris quick detach mounts. So I threw that on there, threw the PRS on there. Um, I took the, uh, the Harris trigger guard yet. Uh, sorry, a trigger job yet. I did. And it still has some room to go. Uh, I've, uh, shorten the sear some, which takes up mm -hmm. some of the creep, but I need to do it more. And I'm, I'm doing it all by hand. Like I've seen some yeah. people take the sear, put it on a sanding, uh, a belt sander and shorten it that way and then polish it. I'm just doing it all by hand. It's taking a lot longer, but I know I'm, it's polishing don't, as don't I'm going too far. <laughs> no, exactly. Right. So, oh, don't worry. I didn't go too far yet. You can actually, if you have the rifle apart, and you remove the bolt carrier, or sorry, you remove the dust carrier, you press the trigger, you can actually see, you can actually understand what creep is because you can see the hammer start to creep forward and then finally release. So you're actually, you're feeling the creep and seeing the creep and the hammer creeping forward. So Wait, was it, was it moving forward or was it moving down? No, it's moving forward towards the firing pin as you pull the trigger. Oh, that's the wrong slope. They, they, sh it, it should be straight. So, like as you're as you're pulling the trigger, the hammer, like ideally, the hammer doesn't move at all, and then just falls off the sear. Yeah. Um, uh, it's it's uh, a bad trigger pull when it has to go back. But uh, I think, or maybe it's, it, uh, no, it's moving. It's moving forward. It's moving towards the hammer. Or maybe I don't know. I'll have to look at it again. It can. Uh, it did. That, I mean, that obviously, I did. I didn't change the angle in the sear and you, mm -hmm. you don't, you just, you just, uh, shorten it a little bit. So, yeah. Yeah. uh, what else have I done? Oh, last night. So there's a muffin and I are going to spring bang. Oh, there's a, there's a story. Three <laughs> new Brunswickers, four new Brunswickers all going to the same match, all applied for an ATT, all getting different levels of service. Oh. Mo sends an email. They send him back an email with a long list of things they want from him. He replies, he gets his ATT the next day. I sent an email on March 9th, nothing. What I did was the email that the CFO sent, not the CFO, but the CFO's office sent Mo, all the things they asked Mo for, I said, send me that email, Mo, copied and pasted it, filled in all of my own information and sent it off. Now, this is what Mo did, and he got his ATT within 24 hours. I sent them all the exact information that they requested of Mo, on the 9th of March, and I didn't get it till today after I looked into it. I won't say complain, but I, I made some inquiries. Muffin. Muffin applies for the ATT. You know what they do? And we're, we're dealing with different people here. This is the problem, right? Muffin gets a name, uh, someone who I've not heard of and I've not dealt with before at our CFO's office. And this individual sends him an application for a long-term ATT. Six okay. pages. Six pages, no instructions on how to return it or who to return it to. If you're to scan it and email it or fax it, there's no fax number included. Here's your application. Well, where do I, where do I send it after I'm done? Like, but anyway, yeah, no, no. We just want to go shoot a match on the weekend. And all we've ever done is send you an email and say, 
this is the gun, this is the license number, this is the registration certificate number, this is the social or serial number, this is where I'm staying, this is the address, the basic stuff. We send an email, we get back our ATT. And now they're emailing them, so we're sometimes, I mean, we've gotten emails within an hour before with our ATTs. He asked for an, an ATT to the same match we're going to, and she sends him an application for a long-term ATT. So he calls there today. He's like, what's going on? Like Mo's going, Trevor's going, and they have their ATTs already. They didn't have to do this. Why do I have to do this? And the answer is like, look, if you want your ATT, you're going to do it. I'm like, whoa, that's not the, uh, the usual service that we expect that we get out of the New Brunswick office. Maybe, I don't know what's going on. Maybe she's new. I don't know. Maybe it's a muffin thing. Maybe she doesn't like muffins. I don't know. <laughs> so, but anyway, since we're going to that match, um, I'm shooting classic this year and I've only shot the gun in two matches. Matthew and I went to Woodstock last year and then I shot it in a three gun match in Halifax. I've done no dry fire practice. I thought I liked my holster setup. I didn't, I changed to a whole new holster. I'm actually using an LHS 2011 holster with a 1911 and, uh, I changed how I was removing, you know, you're talking about Jerry Mitchell, changing how he did things. I changed how I removed the gun from this, from the holster with my 2011 to my open gun. I used to get my hand on the grip and my thumb on the safety. And I do this with my Tanfoglios. The thumb is on the safety while I'm drawing out of the holster. When the gun is pointed downrange, I deactivate the safety, get my two-handed grip, punch out the target, and start putting holes in paper. The safety, because the 1911 is not as wide as the wide-body 2011, my thumb hits the safety in a much different angle. If I try and put my thumb on the safety while the gun is in the holster, my goodness, it rips up the my hand in between, like in the web of my hand between my, my finger and my thumb. And then where my thumb strikes the safety to take it off, it's this tiny little narrow safety and my short little hobbit thumbs. Like I just, I was bleeding by the time I was done last night. I had to stop practicing and put on a Band-Aid because I just ripped right into my thumb from deactivating the safety. I wanted those safeties because... It's the quote unquote classic division, and I wanted my 1911 to look classic. It's black; all the accessories are black. There's there's no go fast parts. Well, there are go fast parts on it, but they're all black, so they all blend in. So you kind of have to look at the gun close to see that it's not a true classic gun. And uh, well, I couldn't do it, so I ordered the big fancy DTS safeties uh, made by uh, Yosco at Double Tap Sports in. Um, Ontario, Toronto, somewhere, I think. So they're really, really, they're awesome aftermarket extended safeties for the 2011 and the 1911. So we'll get those shipped over to Captain Andy and they'll be ready and waiting when I get to Halifax. We'll install them before the match so that I can stop ripping my my thumb up. So I dry fired last night until uh, my thumb was bleeding and today my upper body is sore from all the reps I did. But in the end, I was getting my draw out of the holster first shot in under a second which is where I was with all my other guns meant as fast as I'll probably ever be. Um, so yeah, it was good to uh, put the bow down and get, and pick the gun up again. That being said, I got an archery tournament on the weekend, but uh, anyway, there you go, Matthew. Did I, did I drag it on long enough? Close enough. <laughs> and I mean, I barely talked about the Magpul, right? Because when I started putting pictures online this week of my Magpul 1022, everybody's like, great. Now I got to listen to 45 minutes of how to install a 1022 into a Magpul stock. It's easy, isn't it? Duh, of course, you know. Yeah, it's very easy. Yeah, but could you tell us about your latest brass uh, setup? No, there's nothing (laughs) new there. Uh, Archery? Just just trimming trimming some 303 brass. 
archery, nothing new. Oh, actually, I did switch scopes on my 3D bow. I went from a plastic housing with a flat bottom to a half. Why do you do this to me? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Kelly, what did, uh, what did you do in guns this week, Kelly? Thank you. What did I do? I went to the Toronto Sportsman Show on Saturday. I, oh. uh, I was supposed to go to a wedding, which I did go to, but I also wanted to go and see everybody at the CCFR booth, and I met some great people there, so I spent about an hour, an hour and a half there. And, uh, yeah, I, it was super busy. Uh, people who are uh, not good in crowds wouldn't have been good there. But it was nice to actually meet some uh, people that I talked to online but uh, have never had a chance to meet face-to-face. So that was awesome. And uh, what else did I do? Oh, Sunday I went to the Belleville Gun Show and uh, worked a booth there. We got It's a really small gun show. Like we had probably about two, 300 people through. Uh, we got probably... It was six, yeah, six pages of the um, paper version of the sound modifier petition. We got people to sign it. Um, they're pretty passionate there about the fact that they 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 want the sound modifiers. So it was really really cool. So um, what else? Uh, yeah, three nights in a row I've been doing podcasting. So last night we were on our, the uh, Arm Squirrels uh, podcast, and uh, I just wanted to give a little shout-out to uh, Styx for, and thank him for having us on. We were on to talk about Project Maple Seed. Um, Styx usually talks uh, quite a bit about the uh, Project uh, Appleseed down there, and he wanted to know what the uh, differences were and uh, between the two and you know, so that uh, we can put it out to some Americans, see if they want to come. Did he? Did oh. Kelly? Yep. Did Did he train you on how to seven step someone? Oh, I was seven step. Anybody. You've been seven stepping. You're already a seven stepper. Yeah. Of okay. Course. Perfect. Okay. Good. Yep. All right. Yeah. Right, remember, remember when I uh, had to qualify at the the Frontenac Range and I right. did the oh, rifle. Oh, you seven stepped the kid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Anyways, yeah. So after they made you walk and shoot, which is yeah. Yeah. Don't go there, Trevor. <laughs> I thought That's it was okay. seven step for our listeners. Seven uh, step is ba- it's basically talking about um, well, if you're doing it down in the states, it's picture talking- what the Jehovahs do when they show up in your driveway. Uh, o- only what you do is you try and get them to sign up for an apple seed or a maple seed. Same strategy. We're not trying to. Oh well, yeah, we're trying to get them to sign up. Exactly. That's what seven stepping <laughs> is, Adriel. I'd like to talk to you today about. Project Maple Seed. Hey, and, you know, I'm not. That, that's the, yeah, that's the Jehovah's Witness voice, and that's we don't do that. Well, I would. <laughs> I mean, I would totally use the Jehovah's Witness voice. Do you uh, suppose we have any Jehovah's Witness listeners? Probably. probably not. So we should probably. Stop. I don't think we do, and if we do, they can stop listening. Like my brother. <laughs> no. Like like my like my almost father-in-law said. Yeah, they're nice. They'll be the nicest people in hell. Okay. <laughs> I'll We're leave done. it up to you whether or not you want to cut that or not. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's all gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, crap. Uh, anyways, that's what I did in guns. Adriel, what about you? <laughs> Trevor, you ruined everything. <laughs> Listeners who are wondering what they're laughing about, you may or may not find that in the outtakes, depending on how I feel later on. <laughs> Last you know week's what, Trevor, outtakes. You made your bed. <laughs> oh, you're, yeah, no, totally. I'll take the hate mail. Last last week's. Uh, it's not like they're a real religion, guys. Come on. Uh, <laughs> See, just keep digging. You're supposed to last, dig up. Dig, dig up. <laughs> no. Last week's um, 
Uh, outtakes were amazing, Matthew. Good job. I forget what they were. It was. Oh, it was about the. Uh, it was about the shoutouts. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, it was. Yeah. That's uh, why I put the shoutout to sticks in here right now with in mind because it's my segment. I can do whatever they want, right? Absolutely. Right. Okay, Adriel, your turn. Cool. Uh, okay, so um, actually, uh, just an update from last uh, last week. So, um, actually, a listener emailed me about a Mossberg uh, 930 JM Pro, and he was offering me a really good price, and it was just killing me inside because, uh, well, my 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 Stoger has been working or not working, so depending on the week. Um, <laughs> so, anyways, he gave me a great price and. It was a real dilemma. Um, I, I thought I'd open up my Stoger and, and see if there's anything that, that could be a culprit in terms of, uh, I don't know, maybe it was dirty or something like that. It was dirty. It was super dirty. Um, but I found that... Uh, you found that it was a Stoger? It was a Stoger. Yeah, that, that, that too. Um, <laughs> but within the trigger group, um, I, had, I had cut some springs off of the hammer spring. Uh, which okay, so if if it pulled the trigger and it didn't ignite a, a primer or something like that, yeah, that's a, that's all me. Uh, but that's not the issue I was getting. Uh, it, but instead, when I when I took that uh, that spring out, I noticed that it, it had kinked since the last time I put it in, which is really weird because, um, like, how does a spring kink itself when it's when it's in in operation? But I don't know. Maybe maybe when I cut it uh, and and lengthened it, it uh, it bent weird because uh, yeah, it was it was really off. So I think that's what's causing the the additional drag on the way back, uh, and the uh, the additional drag cycling. So I straightened it out, popped it back in, oiled everything up. Nothing had oil on it. Uh, I'm gonna go out and bust some clays this weekend, and I'm gonna see if it uh, uh, see if it's gonna behave or if it's gonna start messing up or something like that. So uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's gonna uh, a little bit of a, an additional lease on life until. Uh, until it fails shooting clays, and then I'll sell the damn thing, and I'll go get something else. <laughs> well, hopefully that fixes it. I mean, that sounds like that could have been the culprit. Sometimes it's the simplest thing that'll uh, that'll make the whole gun not work. Yeah, well, dir- a dirty gun in springs. Yeah, hmm. and no yeah. oil. And it was Weird. cold. Dude. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cold is hard on guns. It really is. It's hard to uh, find a reliable yeah. gun that'll work in minus twenty. Lee Enfield. Yeah. Well, yeah, I didn't say it was impossible. Just said it was hard. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's that's my Stoger update. I just wanted uh, to we'll answer. see next week if, uh, if I still keep it or not. Right. Well, yeah, we will look forward to this to see if you're keeping it. <laughs> so, so is he standing by, or are you just going to pop on that thing anyway? No, I told him. You know, he he was he gave me a great price. Um, and he said, if you don't want it, just let me know, and I'll, I'll sell it on CGN. I told him, go sell it on CGN. There's lots of other three gunners out there that uh, that deserve that uh, that that need a, a gun like that to start with. So I. I, I would rather someone else out there get their start in three gun with a with a good shotgun than uh, than I keep that guy waiting. So look at you, you being all magnanimous and whatnot. <laughs> to uh, let you know, Adriel, I uh, so you can kind of compare and contrast. Hmm? Mine mine came with uh, optic rail, a rail under the front handguard, an AFG, and a Mesa Tactical stock, eight sixty shipped from. BC is what I paid. You won't pay that right now. No, and, no such no such thing exists right now. Okay. <laughs> that's a that's a great price. And then I sold the stock for one seventy five shipped. And and the AFG for twenty bucks. Well, the AFG I basically gave away to my. Uh, it was co-host. thirty bucks shipped, is what that was. But shipping just nailed you. 
Yeah. And yeah. and you open up the butt pad, and there was there was two hundred dollars cash just right underneath the butt yeah. pad. No, it didn't look that good. But... <laughs> so, uh, geez, no, yeah, that's, yeah. A good, that's a good deal. Yeah, um, yeah, right. yeah. So I'll, uh, I'll 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 try the Stoger a little bit more. Um, so Kelly mentioned that she was uh, she stopped by at what two CCFR booths over the weekend. Yeah, I was busy. <laughs> I think there were I think there were Two eight shows. shows eight shows that the CCFR was at this just just this last weekend. Um, yeah. I was repping at the Alberta Boat and Sportsman Show. Cool. Uh, had a couple a uh, couple people come by the the booth. Uh, I, I went on Sunday, so it wasn't really as busy. Saturday I had to do stuff with my kids, so I couldn't uh, I couldn't make it out Saturday. But Sunday I went out. Um, one of the uh, one of the guys that was there actually was one of the first people to get charged running a 50 Beowulf mag. Uh, and uh, the interesting thing about, like, he, he was there um, uh, repping for the CCFR because the CCFR reached out to him right away, was really supportive, uh, was looking to help him out. And uh, turns out he got his mags back. Uh, he was saying the police officers still considered it a prohibited uh, device, but they still gave him back his property. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's How, a uh, really weird outcome. It, yeah. it is it, such a officer, weird outcome. The officer Sorry, considered ahead, the officer considered it prohib, but the crown knew better. Mm-hmm. Could have been, could have been. Yeah. yeah, we really need that to go to court so that uh, so that they can stop playing funny business around this. Well, the, the The law is really clear. It's whatever it's made for. Yeah. Uh, if you make it for a fifty, there's fifty Beowulf rifles in this country. They yep. need to like according to the law, they're justified having fa- a five round capacity. Yeah. If yep. in the design of that fifty Beowulf magazine, it just so happens to run two two three, it doesn't matter. That's the not lo- what the law. The law talks says about. that very clearly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It's one what of the, it was one, or, of the, huh? one of the only laws that is clear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and they're yeah and they're convoluting it to I don't know why they're just they they hate us. Well, you can only like. Okay, okay, let's let's see let's take this to its logical conclusion. All magazines can only have 5 rounds of whatever smallest uh uh round you can put in it. Boy, is that silly. Now, yeah. those guys who have 50 Beowulf, what do they shoot? Two round mags, yeah, one yep. round mags? Yep, like it's totally silly, right? It is. So, you you can go one of two ways. You can say, okay, magazines are limited based on the firearm that they're used in. Uh so if you're using a 10 round mag that in a in a rifle, well that's a no-no. You can go that way, but what happens when you stop someone who's got both of them? They're but like uh, let's say uh, yeah. uh, we're at a storm and they've yeah. got a pistol and a rifle and some mags in their bag. Well, yeah. now you can't oh. do anything, right? That's right. So they decided to go with something that kind of makes sense, whatever it's marketed for. Uh, but but we see now that you know it, maybe it doesn't make that much sense. I think, like in my opinion, why why do we have these capacity limits? Uh, capacity well, limits yeah, are yeah. pretty dumb. They yeah they do nothing yeah. to protect to protect the public. Um, they have no bearing on, you know, uh, no bearing on safety at all. No, no, no. There was an attack in London, and he did it with a car and a knife. So yeah. yeah. And I think you're gonna like if if more of that stuff starts going on. I mean yeah, right. The guns and and magazine capacity. If more of that here. stuff. If more of that stuff's going on, I'd what like to do? have ac- I'd like to have access to full cap mags. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah, or 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 a gun or something like that. I was listening uh, listening to the radio about that attack, and there were two officers there. One was getting stabbed. The other one had to run for help and get someone with a gun. They had to go and get the uh, the officers that act, that were like firearm carrying officers, because in uh, in London most of the most of the cops don't carry guns. 
um, to deal with this guy. That's going to change real quick now. I bet you they're all going to be carrying within months. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. I mean, like even even with a a disarmed populace, uh, if even the police are disarmed, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, you well you're you're going up against people who are driving like the the whole airplane thing. Yeah, you can add security theater around that, and and maybe they won't try to do the uh, uh, you know uh, September 11th thing again. But uh, how are you supposed to stop people from renting trucks or buying trucks? It's it's impossible. So. That's right, Tim, Timothy McVeigh, right? Yeah, yeah, or buying you know buying fertilizer. Anyways. Um, um, where where am I here on? <laughs> <laughs> we're way off topic, but it was interesting. So, <laughs> yeah, you were talking uh, oh, about fifty Beowulf mags. Yeah. <laughs> fifty Beowulf mags. Anyways, great great group of guys. Um, really enthusiastic. They did a great job repping the booth. I I felt like they were doing a like I thought I could just roll in here and and do do a good job repping the booth. But these guys like clearly outclassed me and did a great job. Uh, representing to the public, this is this is the boat and sportsman show. This is a bunch of hunters, not a bunch of black gun loving guys. Um, but we had all that stuff out on our table, and uh, and and some people came over and they're like, "Oh yeah, cool. Oh, what do you use an AR for? Oh, like we'll use it for competition, that kind of thing." Oh, that's cool. Can you do that? That's you can do that around here. Does are there any clubs around here? I was like, man, my club should have had a booth out here too. <laughs> all these hunters are are, are you know. Um, I was talking to to one guy, and he's like, "Yeah, you know, I bought a pistol. I don't really do anything with it, though." It's like, "Well, why don't you go do a steel challenge or something like that?" He's like, "What? What is that? What's a steel challenge?" I just I go to my range and shoot paper. It's super boring. It's like, "Yeah, of course it's boring. You need to get into <laughs> uh, matches and stuff like that." And and I don't think I think there's a ton of people out there that just don't know about this stuff. They just don't know about um, like we we say competitive shooting, but for a lot of guys out there, this is more of like a beer league club kind of a thing right yeah it's like darts night yeah yeah Yeah, it's it's not like competitive where you're like world class no just go out there and you're shooting against your buddies for bragging rights and you hang out and it's camaraderie and it's a good time totally totally and and i think you know that that aspect of uh of the shooting sports is just most people just don't know about it oh i didn't know about it i mean that i i had a gun or handgun um before i got into action shooting just because i've always wanted to have a handgun and mm-hmm. um, I I went out to the range and shot paper with it and decided it was boring and, and didn't really shoot it a whole lot because I, I literally didn't know that I could do something like Ipsic. So, yeah. Well, you probably thought it was boring and the pistols are inaccurate, right? I when did you think that. When you shooting a pistol, you're like, yeah. man, these things suck. I can't hit anything. Yep. There was that too. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Yeah. But then you, you get training and, oh, man. Anyways, that was, uh, that was the Alberta Boat and Sportsman show. Excellent show. Oh, man. Like, Huge show, um, lots of uh, uh, lots of booths there. Not a lot of uh, not a lot of firearms stuff. There was the uh, uh, CCFR, the NFA was out there, and Barton's uh, out of Grand Prairie was out there as well. Um, so that was that. Uh, I got a cheap action cam, so think GoPro, but uh, the knockoff version of that. Best Buy had a deal on them. They have like, you have oh, you gotten it bucks. yet? Yeah, I've, I've, I'm have you messed right around now. with it? How how's the quality? How's uh, tell me about it? I'm interested. I haven't shot with it yet, so like that's that's what I'm waiting to do with it. Um, this one doesn't like the the GoPros, the the new ones. They'll uh, they'll do slow mo and that kind of thing. I got a camera that does slow mo. Yeah, uh, I've got a camcorder. I've got all that other stuff. I don't have like an on body camera or something like that. So this is a hundred bucks. The other thing, I got a 3D printer. I can print all the mounts that I need to for this thing. <laughs> nice. So if I want to, 
I've already I just downloaded a, a rifle mount here, so I'm gonna I'm gonna download a rifle mount and print that. Uh, maybe like a chest mount, uh, uh, head strap mount, all that kind of stuff. I'm just gonna print up and uh, and get her rolling because I think um, for myself um, and and the, the the two two guys I go uh, uh, shoot three gun with typically, I would really like footage. Uh, from over the shoulder, where where you know the you've got a spectator or something like that, just filming your run, and then footage of you doing the thing, because if you want like great diagnostic information about what you need to improve, recording from lots of different angles is great. That's where you see, oh, I racked, but I didn't tap my pistol when I had that malfunction, and then I went to pull the trigger again and click, and oh, yeah. the magazine wasn't inserted, and then I tap racked, and then it worked. Ah, that's something I need to work on. I need to get the muscle memory up. That's, I'm not talking about me here. I'm just hypothetical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, video um, review is like a fantastic way to, I mean, in the heat of the moment, I, I hardly remember what my run is. As soon as, I'm, as soon as I'm done, I don't remember what happened. I just I just went full out and went on autopilot, right? So being able to yeah. watch it afterwards is like, oh, I that was awesome, and oh, man, that that was terrible. <laughs> but yeah, well, being able to see that, yeah, it's a great idea. It's it's kind of become routine for the two guys I shoot with to we go out to the match, we record it and whatnot. And we come to, back to my place after the match, and uh, we upload the well, we get the video on on my TV and yeah. we rewatch it, and I type in the scores from the match and uh, and and upload those and email them out to everyone. So oh, that's cool. Like we're we're like that's that's a practice already. So. Yeah. The three of us get to watch it. We get to critique each other's runs and tell tell each other how we can do better. And uh, I think like that that's a really uh, uh, has been really valuable for me. So this will just add one one little aspect to it. Awesome. Uh, and then, so on our special episode when we we're talking with Chad, he was mentioning this uh, the CQB clinic that he's going to, um, which I've been to already. But he mentioned the price, and I'm like, mm, mm, I got to go to that. So <laughs> I signed up for that. Uh, for the CQB clinic that uh, that Hungary is going to be putting on at the end of April, so nice. I'll be down in uh, in Milo. I don't know if any of our listeners are, are heading out to that thing, but uh, Hungary is running this uh, uh, CQB clinic at the end of April, where you'd be doing rifle, pistol, uh, primarily for for the uh, CQB style of competition. But uh, the amount of trigger time and the focus on the basics is really good for uh, uh, for. You know, shooters out there. Even if you're not going to shoot CQB, it's still a great uh, uh, exercise to go through. So, I'm pumped. Awesome. Yeah, that's uh, that's all I was up to. Cool. All right. Well, uh, let's jump in upcoming events then. Seventh uh, annual charity pod or Canadian podcaster charity shoot, Saturday, July 8th at the Guelph Rod and Gun Club. So uh, come on out to that. It's going to be awesome. The uh, the charity this year is Many to One. So uh, it's, a, it's a good charity, and hopefully we can raise lots of money for them. There are four spots left for day one still, and day two still full for the Alberta Pistol Course that Trevor and I are putting on. So if you are interested in that, you can email us at slamfireradio at gmail.com. The second annual Ronnie DeGroote Steel Challenge at the Rusty Goose Gun Club, June 3rd, 10 a.m., 20 bucks, 250 rounds. It's going to be awesome. Steel Challenge is one of my favorite things to do, so come on out and uh, have some fun with us. The CAPS Use of Force training is uh, with Dave Young is scheduled for October 15th and 16th in Dalhousie, New Brunswick. You can go to caps-training.com slash sign-up to register. And I think there's a link somewhere on the website so you can 
click on that if you're interested in attending. There's also going to be the same course in Grand Prairie on June 28th and 29th. It needs a minimum of 10 people. Uh, they need to join before April 28th. So check that out as well if you're interested and you're from that area. Uh, from Jason Philp. The BTSA is having some Young Guns shooting contest in Calgary, Alberta at uh, Sybil's Flats. April 22nd is the Easter Bunny shoot. October 22nd is the Pumpkin shoot. September 30th is a Turkey shoot. And December 31st is a Snowshoe shoot. So you can sign up on Facebook. And I think that link's in last week's show notes or the one before. So you can cl- uh, find that there too. And the Calgary Shooting Center is running a dynamic pistol course March 25th and 26th. And I don't know who you contact if you want to go to that because there's no link. Go to the website. Cal- yeah. Go to the Calgary Shooting Center. Yeah. yeah. Probably, probably works. Yeah. 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 Do that. That'd be cool. So, uh, news. All kinds I'll, of news. Uh, yeah. I'll whoever, jump on to some Whoever put them in, just uh, start rattling them off. Don't wait for me. Just, uh, just yeah. yeah, let's get let's burn through this. So, listeners, um, one of the things that I that I, I don't know if is if, if it's valuable or not, but I wanted to throw it in here anyways, is uh, – when some of these retailers get in a whole bunch of stock for something, do you guys want an update or not? So an example would be Arms East uh, is is got all of the Geisley triggers, rails, and tools in stock now, um, and that's I don't know apparently uh, interesting. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, I I still haven't tried a trigger in an AR better than a Geisley. I've tried three different ones: Super Semi Auto, Super Semi Auto Enhanced, and the three gun one that they have and they're just even in my three gun rifle i've got a jp industry single stage and geisley will make both dual stage or single stage and uh they're tough to beat yeah yeah so it, uh let us know if you, if you want to hear about that kind of stuff and we'll, we'll add it to the news section here uh, another example would be like frontier firearms is selling off the last of the cz 452s um, and Iron Guns has got a bunch of uh, Desert Eagle pistols and accessories. So if you if you want to get your Deagle game on, there's uh, there's Iron Guns, uh, S and J uh, Hardware. They're offering a new low profile plate carrier. So S and J Hardware has been doing the the actual uh, plates for a while. The uh, AR five hundred uh, uh, body armor, um, and uh, and and you know. Uh, I, I'm willing to bet that they were just not pleased with the plate carriers that were available, and they made this new one. Um, so it, it it'll probably hold it like really really close to you. Um, they've also got yeah. they're also working on some metal base plates for Glock mags. Uh, so if you're doing uh, competitions with your with your Glock, and you're especially if you're shooting at an indoor range and you're dropping your mags on a concrete floor. Uh, a metal base plate will uh, will just be more durable and it's like less likely to shatter than the uh, plastic base plates. Adriel, yeah, I had a chance to look at so uh, Simon from S and J Hardware. He was at the the Belleville show and he did oh, have cool. he did have the plate carrier there and he also had the Glock um, uh, the base plates for the Glocks as well. Uh, mm-hmm. The uh, the plate carrier was really really well done. I ha- I had a look at it and yeah, he has some new. Um, uh, some new body armor uh, as well to go with it. Some it's flexible stuff, so it's perfect for a female because it'll mold to your body. Uh, but the other thing is, um, yeah, I had a look at the plate carrier. It's super light, and it is uh, the Velcro on it. It's going to make sure that nothing falls out. Uh, and um, yeah, it. Uh, he, he told me the price point on it. He says it's probably going to be around two fifty. 
um, and there's being manufactured here in Ontario. So mm. uh, right now it's just uh, in black, and uh, they're going to look at flat dark earth and also the tan as well. But it's really, really well made done. Or well made. Yes, they're well made. So I just wanted to let you know that I actually physically held it. I ripped it apart and and everything. So it, I'm going to cool. get one. Yeah. The cool. Um, the cool thing about the metal base plates, Adriel, is that they add weight. Um, uh, that too, yeah. Yeah, I mean the plastic ones, they're they're not the factory Glock ones. They're going to go on and on and on. They get beat up a little bit, but every base pad gets beat up. But the thing, that plastic mag inside that plastic gun, I mean, anybody who runs a Glock will tell you eventually a mag gets hung up. And the extra weight at the bottom, if it's uh, you're running a Glock in a division which will allow you to run these base pads, it's an advantage for sure. It adds weight to the mm-hmm. gun, and it helps the mag fall clear of the gun when you do a mag change. For sure. Uh, what else we got here? Wolverine Supplies has, oh boy, I'm going to butcher this. Here it comes. Brugger and Pommet? I'll go with yep. that. B and T. Nailed it. Yeah. B&T. <laughs> APC223SA. This is a, a, a semi auto 5.56 or 2.23 rifle. It's non restricted. Uh, they're, they're quite up there in price. They're right around $3,600, but it is manufactured in Switzerland, so maybe the accuracy is better. Do you, uh, do you guys know about anything about this rifle? I don't. No, this looking is the first time now, hearing about it. Yeah, I'm looking at it now for the first time, and it kind of looks like an FNFAL. Kind of, yeah. yeah the grip holding, angle, uh, the amount of barrel there, yeah. and yeah. Well, the grip angle looks looks foul. The amount of barrel sticking out past the handguard looks foul. Uh, interesting. It's too bad again. We're we're overpaying. Yeah, yeah, but it's different. <laughs> yeah. More uh, more choice here in the Canadian market is always better, in, in my opinion. Yeah, and uh, if the more choice we have, maybe we'll start to see some of the prices come down. Yeah. But it's a yeah. semi-automatic black rifle made in Switzerland. How bad could it be? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the next one we have here is Al Flaherty's. They've got the new Bladetech UCB Titan. Uh, this uses a ratcheting system on it, so it'll uh, it'll kind of cinch up really quick. Um, I haven't... I haven't dug into the blade tech ucb that much um just because i haven't uh i haven't had a problem with my current belt system well if but, you uh, uh ratchet it too much it'll dig into you mm. <laughs> yep nice <laughs> uh, uh that provided it's by puns me. always puns tonight <laughs> oh gosh I put in the next one. Uh, we didn't talk. We didn't talk about it last week, and it was announced last week that Remington uh, reached a settlement, and we were. You guys heard about this, right? Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Yeah, okay. No. So they. Yeah. So uh, do you want me to? I'll read you a little bit of what it says. Turning aside objections from gun owners, legal experts, and nine state adge- attorney generals, a federal. Uh, judge has given final approval to landmark class action settlement, including some 7.5 million allegedly defective Remington guns. The ruling allows the owners of some of the Remington's most popular firearms, including the iconic Model 700 rifle, to have their triggers replaced free of charge. So, uh, to this day, Remington denies the allegations and maintains the guns are safe. The company says said it, it was settling the case to avoid uh, protracted litigation. Critics 
critics of the settlements allege Remington's deliberately downplayed its risks in order to suppress claims in the settlement. And the plaintiff's attorneys, who will now collect $12.5 million in fees, uh, did not do enough to hold Remington's uh, feet to the fire. The attorney general argued that Remington should be required to admit the guns were defective. But U.S. Judge uh, District, sorry, U.S. District uh, Judge um, Smith, uh, who twice sent the parties back uh, to the drawing board to improve the settlement decided that in and fixing some of the guns is better than risking none of them at all being fixed. By approving the settlement, the court facilitates um, remediation of the alleged defects. Um, Smith wrote, the result may save lives and reduce the risks of injuries to others. The settlement covers Remington Model 700 as well as uh, their other firearms, the 7 Sportsman, or sorry, 7 Sportsman 78, 6, uh, 73, 710, 715, 770, 600, 660, 721, 722, and 725 rifles, and uh, the XP100 bolt-action pistol as well. Uh, so basically, uh, everybody who has one of those can go and get their um, uh, rifles fixed for free, the triggers. So. Or, too bad they couldn't just get their money back and buy a Savage. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be <laughs> nice. Yeah. So, so. And then shortly after this came out, we saw another news story Doc Weston shared on his Facebook page mm-hmm. that uh, Remington fired just about every big wig they had. Yep. And, uh, yeah, that's totally fine with me. Um, the rifle, the Remington 700, came out when? Like the late 50s or 60s? Mm-hmm. So you've been making a rifle for that many decades, and all of a sudden it's not safe? You, like, you actually have to almost try to, to make it dangerous. Like, how many corners were cut, whether it be quality control, manufacturing processes, materials? I mean, it's just... It, 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 they they fired people way too late. Like it's just not acceptable. It's inexcusable that a rifle they were producing for that long was suddenly hurting people. Mm. Mm. Nobody's taking blame for it. Uh, yeah. Mm. Well. Mm. They're not fooling anybody. No. Who put the next one in? I got the next one, and it's uh, from the Gun Blog, and uh, basically to sum it up, it says Glock is cutting. The uh, price of their pistols in Canada, but uh, by a hundred bucks. But they went, you know, Glocks over the last two years crept up to eight hundred and fifty to eight hundred ninety nine. So obviously nine hundred bucks. Yeah, they're just you know they're not worth it. They're not worth it. They've got they're a basic, uh, well made duty pistol. They're very very popular. They're everywhere. So since they're everywhere, the prices should be you know. Um, way lower, but Glock's philosophy, if you read the book, uh, Glock, America's Pistol, they have always known they could sell their pistol for a lot less than they do, but then there's a there's a, a perception within the market that if your gun is inexpensive, then it's not a good quality product. So they've always uh, price-matched guns that were more expensive in an effort to give the perception that the gun is better than it is. So when HKs and Walthers are selling for $900, Glock decided they should sell for $900, which doesn't make any sense. Um, so anyway, they uh, they dropped it from you know the $899 mark by 100 bucks, which is still 100 to 150 more than I think it should be at. And Korth. Korth is a distributor in Canada that uh, they were... Uh, 
It says here, Corth Group Limited, Canada's biggest Glock distributor, said it will no, it will stop carrying the Austrian company's pistol. Uh, Armchair Wholesaler Inc. of Rochester, New York, will expand into Canada and replace the Alberta-based Corth. So that's interesting. And I thought Corth was also in Ontario. I believe Bulliver's got a contact there, so... So, yeah, the, the article goes on with reasons why the prices go up and down, uh, 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 et cetera. So uh, if you want to read more on that, you can find that at thegunblog.ca. Cool. Cool. I got the next one here. Uh, man tries to rob pizza place with gun magazine. Employee <laughs> slaps it out of his hands. <laughs> a little bit lighter. <clears throat> a man tried to rob a pizza place on Ocean Boulevard Tuesday night by pointing a gun's magazine at the employee, <laughs> but the employee slapped it out of the suspect's hands, according to the uh, uh, Myrtle Burt, uh, Beach Police Report. Police responded to the location at about 10 p.m. Tuesday night and spoke to the employee, who said he saw the suspect and asked if he needed help. The report stated the suspect then pulled out a magazine for a firearm and pointed it at the victim telling the victim to give him everything he has. The victim then slapped the magazine out of the suspect's hands. <laughs> they gave it to him. That's funny. Mo was just in Myrtle Beach. I need to check with Mo about the story. <laughs> uh, the suspect uh, grabbed two rounds that fell out of the magazine, turned around, and walked out the door, the report states. <laughs> wow. Well, oh, yeah, that's, that's hilarious. Interesting. End to our news segment. All right, joining us this week, we have two very, very special guests. I'm really excited to have them here. Uh, they're responsible for a, a huge swing or change in my in the direction that I'm taking towards my firearms collection. And they are none other than Anika and Nolan from Matador Arms. So, Anika, Nolan, welcome to Slamfire Radio. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. It's really our pleasure. I'm really excited about this. I'm excited about your products and uh, the opportunity to sit down and talk with you guys and learn more about uh, where you came from and how you started to develop the things you developed and some of the rationale behind some of the decisions that you're making over at Matted or Arms. Um, oh, we need rationale. No, you don't. You can you can make up whatever you want. Like you know, don't feel the need to justify anything. I mean, I don't. Right. So, yeah, uh, you know, you're part of the Slamfire team now. So just make it up as you go, like we do. And uh, justify whatever you feel you need to justify, and and don't what you don't. That's really the, our kind of our motto. So <laughs> we have a motto. Um, we just made it up. I oh, guess. Oh, cool. Hey, I'm think, make, making I'm stuff think, up as we go. Again, normal. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to dig up, Matthew. <laughs> dig up. <laughs> so, uh, guys, let's start off with um, before we hear about how you both got into shooting. First, tell the listeners what is Matador Arms. Who is Matador Arms? What do you guys do? Um, well, we manufacture firearms accessories here in Calgary, Alberta. Um, our first product was, of course, the Sabretooth SKS chassis. Uh, we do a full-length receiver scope mount for the SKS as well as a scout mount. Um, we're doing various sizes of muzzle brakes, muzzle blast diverter. We do a skeletonized aluminum air grip um, and a few other products as well. So, but... Primarily, right now, it's it's we're focused on accessories, um, mostly for the Canadian market, but we also do export to the U.S., um, which has been fun. We started about mm, almost a year and a half ago. Yeah, 
first sales were about a year and a half ago and previous to that was just kind of in the design phase and, and concepts and stuff like that so awesome well we'll get more into that um in a few minutes here let's uh let's find out who you guys are what's what's your interest in like your primary interest in firearms are you competitive shooters hunters what's your what's your shooting background <laughs> I, yeah i i started shooting when i was 12 i guess um and mainly that just came about that i wasn't really interested in any other kind of types or sports or anything like that so my folks kind of said well you got to do something so i said take me to the gun club and kind of went from there so i shot i guess you would say kind of a competitive small bore when i was a when i was a kid and a teenager i think that it's the imperial was it sfc or something like that it was kind of the small bore competitions um and then out of that just kind of of course as a kid i didn't have much money so got into you know collecting and shooting milserps obviously they were fairly uh attractively priced in those days and they still are to a degree so got into shooting that and then you know have just carried on uh, you know uh, as a personal interest for for quite a long time i also i do shoot uh, a little bit of handgun competition so that's relatively new for me started that i guess just over two years ago what kind of handgun competition well, IDPA is uh, oh, what I start. Oh, never mind. Shh. Yeah, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> um, and I I did a little steel challenge last year, and I'll probably look to do more steel challenge USPSA. Isn't this that year. fun? Steel challenge is oh. oh by far my favorite. Well, it was actually the club here last year. They had the nationals, so I just kind of went out to the match, and they let me walk on, and that was the first time I shot it. And I was like, this is, this is a lot of fun. So, you know, I, I like IDPA. I like a lot of things about it. But I guess like all IDPA shooters, there's also a lot of things I dislike. So, but it's fun. You know, they're two different things. Yeah, that phenomenon is not unique to IDPA. No, I guess. Yeah. But so, I mean, personally, I, I, I try for the handgun. And that's, I haven't really done a lot of three-gun um, although we talk to a lot of people that shoot it, so that might be next. We'll see. But yeah, that. I, so I got into it as a kid, and then Annika, I guess, yeah. had a different, a different entry. <laughs> well, I also entered as a early teenager. I think I was thirteen, and um, my my class goes to a ranch camp. And one of the activities at the ranch camp was rifle shooting. And there was about 20 students and one instructor. And so my first experience shooting was about 10 minutes into it. One of the students putting the rifle down without the safety on. And he accidentally shot two people. Two. Two. Two for the price of one. Nice. Overachiever. Wow. Both of of them just injured, thankfully. But um, I'll say that maybe left me scared in years to come. No kidding. Yeah. So in general, I was just, I guess, scared and therefore never even had an interest until until I guess I found a love interest. There you go. In Nolan. And he surprised me with our very first date. We drove up to a shooting range and I was like, oh, crap. Did you say, are you going to shoot two people? Because if not, that's not nearly as cool as the last experience. You got to shoot three to impress me. 
Yeah, no doubt. So anyway, yeah, so we did that as our first date. And, I mean, that was 18 years ago. And since then, I guess, guns have definitely been Nolan's passion, but they've been around me and I hear about them. And now that we're in the business, I get to go out a little bit more. I don't do anything competitively and I probably don't even do anything that well, but I sure like helping to test the products and playing around. And I'd like to get out more often if we had more time, because I think I, I really like anything with, you know, camaraderie and having people you, who have, you, ha- you, have you have fun with it though, right? Like you enjoy being out there and shooting and, and whatnot. I told- I totally have fun with it, and it surprised me. I really like like shooting the pistols and the handguns probably more than the rifles, but what's so exciting to me is even though I don't have tons of experience, is now I'm like telling friends who have never shot before, like, come out with us, you know, try out our new targets. We're going out to do some testing, then we'll have some fun, and I love seeing how excited they get because it really, it doesn't take anything. Everybody can be like unsure or nervous, but the minute they see that they've hit the target, everybody's excited and right into it, huh? Absolutely. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the targets the targets that uh, Matt Outer Arms is producing is perfect for that because they're a reactive type target, but we'll, we'll get to that. Um, well, that's so a then, perfect segue. Why, why didn't we just go into it right now? Because it's further down the list. And I made that's a list. what I thought. Life you can't jump on the list. No, no. No, no, that's right. <laughs> so, um, all right, great. There's the background. Now, how did, and we know what Matt Outer Arms now it does. So how did Matter at Our Arms come to be? Um, you know, and that that's I guess part of the background thing is it's de- it's a definite like I'd never thought, even though I'd been you know uh, you know active in shooting and for God quite a long time, you know, say twenty years, I'd, I'd never really thought of it as a business. Um, I never really thought it was something that, Hey, you know, we could get into and do, I just, you didn't, I didn't have that mindset. So, you know, it, it did, it did initially start with, with the saber tooth and just seeing what was out there for, for SKS accessories just initially and saying, Oh, just a minute. It started long before <laughs> that yeah. when there was a lot of cursing about, you know, buying overpriced junk. Uh-huh. Well, Time after time after time, and finally Nolan was like, "What? Why can't we do this better?" Yeah. Well, yeah, basically that, and a lot of it too was I'd see stuff, obviously products coming out of the U.S., uh, you know, which we rely on mostly here in Canada, and, and just looking at it and saying, like, "Well, why is this this price? Like, you know, that doesn't make any sense." And obviously, with the dollar and the export and all the distributors and stuff, by the time a lot of products hit us, they're they're unreasonably expensive in my mind. So, you know, it was kind of a bit of that. And of course, my a lot of my background is in uh, oil and gas manufacturing for oil and gas. So we kind of looked at it and said, well, you know, this is that's what I want to do. So let's get cracking, I guess. Yeah, that was my next question. What kind of engineering manufacturing type of background do you have? Because the Sabretooth chassis is second to none as far as accessories on the market to bolt any firearm into, whether it be uh, KDX or MDT, the Sabretooth chassis is right up there with those products, in my opinion. So what's your background? Where do you, how do you create something like this? Um, being really, really stubborn, I guess. It was because the main challenge, you're exactly right, with the chassis was, you know, we we 
started and that's kind of how I approach most things is this, this is kind of what the market will bear for this product. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the challenge with the saber tooth is you're not like, if we were to do that, if we were to do a chassis for Remington 700s, well then we could, you know, conceivably charge, you know, or the MSRP could be six to $900 on a product like that. So first we started with the, you know, what, what can this, what can the retail be on this? And, you know, so we have to make it economically for, to fit in that slot. So the main challenge wasn't, wasn't actually in the machining. It was, it was being able to machine that efficiently, right? Because Mm -hmm. typically a part that large in that price range would, would come from overseas or it would be die cast or that, that's how you would do it. So to do it out of billet, it was really just chasing the the machine time and, and all the fixturing, which we've gone through lots of revisions on the fixturing. That's been kind of one of the, one of the major challenges. So, and then that, you know, our, our feeling with that was if we could get all that uh, to fall into place, which obviously we've, we've done that, then we could use that, that expertise uh, to move into other, potentially into other products that are similar, you know, along those lines of a chassis. So that was kind of, that those were the big challenges were, were was actually machining that and hitting hitting that price point so um you know we do get some feedback from people saying like like the sabertooth the msrp is 349 and people say wow that's a lot and then other people say <laughs> wow that's 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 cheap i mean you can't you can't get anything in the chassis market for that almost really right so mm-hmm. um you know so it's that that was kind of the the main I think, challenge in starting that out. Yeah, anytime you put out a chassis that costs more than the firearm it's intended for, yeah, you're going to get that that resistance from some people who kind of, I don't know, like don't get it. Yeah. But when you look at the overall value, once the rifle is in the chassis and it's sitting here in front of you, then you look at it and you go, oh, I get it now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of people, yeah, they, they kind of, you know, they, when they when they hold it in their hands and they see it, they go, ah, okay. But and that and you know in the marketplace that that was you know a big challenge in overcoming that, or, or and even still to this day we're trying that because you know there is that perception of the of the two hundred dollar rifle, which yeah. well it could be yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, uh, I'm just sorry, Nolan, but I mean it could be a lot worse. It could be white, three D printed, and eight hundred dollars. <laughs> Right, it could be a one-way only where you can't put it back in the wood, and it could come with no testing, evaluation, or warranty. It could, be, but it's none of those things. So I think, uh, yeah, definitely the the, <laughs> the price point. Feel free to take the high road. That's fine. The, the low road is, is my job. <laughs> my, my lawyer, my lawyer's waving me off. So. <laughs> uh, we um, might come, but, we might come back to that later. But, I actually don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> but that well, that in the in the beginning that was kind of you know that's that's people's perception especially in Canada I mean the SKS is a it's it doesn't cost a lot that's originally why I started shooting them I mean I think I bought my first one for around 140 bucks and so then the perception and I where I was trying to counter that is that it's a it's a cheap rifle which you know is not the case it's it's only it's that price yeah. because it's, it's an, surplus right right yeah, it's not a cheap rifle. I'm, I've learned that it is an inexpensive rifle. And as yeah. you said, it's an inexpensive rifle simply because of 
the amount that has flooded our market. In the United States, the SKS rifle, if you can find one, is upwards of 500 bucks and more, depending on whether you're talking a Chinese or a Yugoslavian. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that one we... We went into a shop when we were in Vegas at SHOT Show, and there was one there for, I think, seven fifty. There you go. What kind it was, but... Yeah, it was a uh, Chinese a paratrooper, so... Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's something that, you know, we're just so lucky here to get them for that price. And, but that, you know, the, the typical path, and, and I went down that way too, is you buy, buy a surplus SKS, you throw a dust cover mount on it, and then you kind of go through a whole bunch of surplus ammo and you say, geez, I can't hit anything with this. Um, so you, <laughs> then you move on, but you know, you don't, it, it doesn't need to be looked at that way. So, um, that, that's kind of what we're trying to counter, you know? I mean, you, you've you've made a, a believer out of me. I don't know anybody that's been a bigger critic of this rifle um, than myself. I've been crapping all over the SKS since I got it way back. Since the dawn the, of time, basically. Basically. <laughs> Which is when Trevor was when the rifle When the rifle was invented many years before I was born, I hated it then. I wasn't born yet, <laughs> but I, I still hated it. Um, very hate. Yeah. Yeah, no, I hated it right back to uh, the CRR days. I didn't like the look of it. I didn't like that it was like a uh, poor man's version of the AK. Um, the length of pull was wrong. First of all, I, I was a snob, and mill serps were for people that were broke and living in trailers. You know, like I, my my head was up my butt. There's no question. Um, and and I mean, I don't I don't pretend to not be a, a gun snob. But then when you look at my collection compared to some people who actually have money, then my collection can be laughed at and picked on as well. So it's all kind of kind of relative. But so. Um, this road for me, it did start with that 3D printed uh, stock adapter that was supposed to go on the back of a Tapco stock that you, so you could attach a, PR, a Magpul PRS stock to it. And the individual who, quote unquote, invented that little adapter was asking people to buy him a Magpul PRS stock so that he could test the product and then sell it to us. And that's when I started to pay attention to the SKS market and what was out there for the SKS and mostly trolling this guy because I just thought it was apprehensible what he was doing. And then... Apprehensible or reprehensible? Reprehensible. I Thank you. I was just curious. I was just curious. The Thoris. That's what I'm going <laughs> to beat you with later. Um, <laughs> oh, I hate you so much right now. I hate I you know. more than I did yesterday. I, I didn't know. think it was possible. You hate me more than an SKS, don't you? Oh, actually, right now, I certainly do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, then, so then, yeah, Matador Arms comes on the scene, and... Now I'm looking at an SKS inside a chassis that looks very, very modern, very, very modern. And um, it piqued my interest. And so I didn't want an SKS. What I wanted was a Matador Arms chassis because I liked the look of the finished product so much. It didn't really matter to me what was on the inside. What <laughs> mattered to me was the uh, silhouette that the Matador Arms Sabretooth chassis cast and how it, how it looked when it was finished. And then I started to see some where the owners had removed the front sight and put on muzzle brakes. And then I was really losing it because that was to me, the icing on the cake that finished the overall look of the, of the new platform. And, um, so yeah, so I'm glad I got on board. You guys were generous enough to send one out to me and, um, I bought the SKS, and when I got it home, contacted you, said, I got an SKS, now I need a Matador Arms chassis, and you were like, yep, we will hook you up. So I'm looking over at, I'm looking this rifle over, 
we said, let's just do it before he forgets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, before he moves on, he sells it and buys something else. You got to really jump on top of these opportunities <laughs> you, with Trevor. You do have to nail me down. That's right. Yeah. But when I had the rifle at home, like, I mean, I had seen them at the range and I may have shot one or two. I'm quite sure. Uh, I was out with the Squire and the clone trooper not long ago. And he's offhand shooting clay pigeons off the berm at a hundred meters with iron sights on an SKS. I'm like, wait a second. These things are supposed to be just, just inherently inaccurate. What? But look at them go. Um, so I get the rifle home and I start tearing it apart and I like everything I see. Everything works. Everything fits. Everything makes sense. Well, okay. What does the internet really think? So I get online and I go to all the big YouTube channels, the Hickoks and the Nut and Fancies and the Sooches and um, the, uh, anyway, I can't, anyway, uh, all the big ones, a handful of them anyway that I watch on a regular basis and they all loved it, you know, and then of course, then I've got to go and learn the history of the firearm and who invented it and when and what was the relationship between it and the AK. So now, anyway, so I bought a second one because of, so <laughs> yeah. I uh, wanted one for the uh, one for the saber tooth, and then one just to add to the Milserp collection because for some reason now all of a sudden I started a Milserp collection as well. Uh, right now, focusing on the Russian stuff because it seems to be the cheapest for now. So, anyway, um, it's because I I mean obviously we like our product, and I like the saber tooth, and I I love seeing customer builds when they send in photos, but. We also are on, you know, we look at different forums and read everybody's, you know, opinions. And I just like seeing all the SKSs. I like, like, everything, all the different options there are for people to do builds with them. And I like the pure ones. Mm -hmm. I like the modified ones. It's it's just kind of fun to see how everybody can, oh, what's my word? Accessorize or customize, I guess. Customize. And personalize. Yeah. And personalize. A lot of these customized XKSs, no two look alike. Oh, know? exactly. Yeah. That's something that we get asked a lot. It's like, oh, you're, you know, you're selling this chassis. You don't include like the stocks or the grips. And we're like, well. There's a reason for that. Yeah. There's a reason for that. Everybody wants to customize it their own way. And yeah. And it's worked out really good. And as soon as you say that, people are like, yeah, right on. Mine's not going to be exactly the same as the next person's, you know? Well, and exactly. that. The accuracy is a, is a one that constantly comes up, and and you just you know people just have to have to realize that of course there's you know millions of them made from varying different countries. They were put together you know in uh, you know in in communist countries and in, in factories with you know, ideal uh, conditions. Ideal conditions. Everybody's got and, dental. And. Uh, and and they were you know for the time for the time period where they were designed i mean you know you're going to see a lot of different stuff come through on those rifles and i, I mean we i've got ones that will shoot 2 moa and i've got ones that'll shoot you know 5 and it's just and a lot of it comes down to mounting an optic or using quality ammunition and you know all the same things with any other gun so i mean people out there that say that they won't that they'll shoot you know that they can't hit anything with their SKS. I mean, that's, you know, could be a function either the rifle, the shooter, or, or how they're trying to sight it or the ammo. There's so many variables there. So, you know, I'm not trying to say that they're a super accurate precision rifle. No, they're a combat rifle and they have military grade accuracy. So, you know, w- what range is that? You know, is it two to four MOA or is it four to six? I mean, typically used to say with AKs that, 
you know, the, the kind of standard was always four to six MOA, which I believe, but you know, you can also get better than that by doing certain things. So what's the military standard on M4 Four MOA is considered a rack grade. Good to go. Take it to war. Yeah. And with that, with the M14s, they, they would get accepted if they could do seven MOA, you know, that was the original standard. So nobody seems to mention that though. No, no, but it's, you know, and, and, Part of that too is now these days and, you know, with all the modern manufacturing methods and, and everything we've learned over the years, well, there's a, there's a, there's a higher standard of accuracy that's expected. So, you know, mm-hmm. if you go to your, your gun store, you're going to buy a, a bolt action hunting rifle with a scope for 500 bucks and you're going to expect it to do one, one and a half MOA, you know, that's mm-hmm. kind of where people expect it to be now. So, yeah. um, anyways, yeah. that's. The accuracies, that's just, you know, that's just kind of interesting always to talk to people about that. So, Well, and I, I one of my next questions was, you know, why the SKS? But I, I, I think we've covered it. I mean, it's it's plentiful. There's already a lot of accessories for it. I mean, you chose the right rifle to make an accessory for, let's face it. I mean, the only thing you could have done differently or perhaps better was to make something for the 1022. Because, you know, yeah. you you're not going to make accessories for a gun that are there are only four of in Canada. It wouldn't make sense. So, um, yeah. they're non-restricted. They're incredibly popular. They shoot a, a an inexpensive caliber. Uh, it's logical that you would that you would choose the SKS. So, yeah. Uh, and actually, our our next well, and I'm going back a ways, but a little ways. But you know, we had we had plans and and actually, you know concepts that we were about to start producing for the vz58 but then with then all of a sudden you 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 know they just they're getting hard to find obviously with the import and uh you know just the supply and so the stuff that we do 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 now like the brakes the m14 by ones i mean we're seeing those slow down quite a bit just because the availability of the vz so we you know, it was good to choose the SKS because they're they're available. Always have been and always will be. Well, mm-hmm. always yeah. it's a long time, but yeah, yeah. You know, um, so yeah, it's it's that that is a little tough in in Canada because we only have so many rifles that are actually available to us in any good number. So, and along those lines, you know, the initial plan was well, we're going to make this and and we're going to sell it in Canada and that's that and then when we came out with the mark one we pretty quickly realized that there's even though even though they're not importing them today but just the demand in the u.s was was huge oh we were flooded with inquiries from the u.s how can i get one where can we find one so then we had to you know go through the channels to start to to start supplying them but you know that wasn't in the original plan but you know of course you've You've, even though they're not importing them today, you've got a ton of SKSs in the U.S. just simply by the you know size of the country and the and the pop you know the the amount of shooting population down there. I guess you'd say. And now that there's a gun friendly administration, that may change. So we may start seeing them getting imported again. I don't know. I'm not a politician, but I think it's definitely a, a good idea that you, that things got expanded onto the state side for sure. There's. Yeah. They're not importing them, but there's probably still more SKSs in America than there is in Canada. Yeah, oh, yeah. Num- numbers-wise, I believe there is, but you know, I actually hope they don't change that law in the U.S. because we we can only make so many. So, 
Well, well you'll just have to expand. That's all. Yeah. That's there a, you go. good problems to have. Hey? Is, yeah. Exactly. So let's uh, talk about now this week, uh, big news from Matador Arms, the Sabretooth Mark II hit the market. I'm staring at one right now. Um, why don't you tell the listeners the differences between the Mark One and the Mark Two? Uh, the Mark Two, the 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 things that we wanted to to kind of to change and, and update a little bit just were um, in. So basically, in the in the cleaning and disassembly of the rifle was a big thing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we had to give some real estate to. Uh, to removing the dust cover and doing that efficiently. So uh, that was kind of one of the big changes. And then with okay, the... Okay, so let me jump in there, Nolan. The cutout behind the dust cover, the original factory dust cover that's on the SKS rifle, the cutout that's now in the chassis, that's new to the Mark II? Yes, the Mark One. So our initial concept had that, but uh-huh. the, the initial feedback was that... People didn't like it. People didn't like the how that looked. Um, you know, but we kind of looked at it as like, well, you need that to service the rifle. I mean, Uh, yeah, I would prefer if it wasn't there and it was one solid piece. That being said, man, is it convenient because today I assembled the rifle yesterday and then today I went out and I bought a mag and you know, you need to do the bolt modification if you want to remove the mag with the bolt closed. So -hmm. to get the bolt and the bolt carrier out of the rifle, I didn't have to completely remove it from the chassis it's as simple as uh you used to have a takedown pin and now you've got a screw take out one screw your and that's if that's if you're running the optic rail which i am the full-length optic rail but it's 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 you know you remove the new back plate that you made removable and pull out the the takedown pin in the back and now you can remove the desk cover the uh spring the bolt carrier and bolt without having to remove the chassis or the the rifle from the chassis, so I think it, I, it's a good trade off. Yeah, I think I think it's an improvement because you know for all the Mark Ones that we sold, I have to say is we we got pretty much all rave reviews, and I can't even really call it a a complaint, but feedback that we heard or saw was like, oh, you know, we have to take it all apart again. So I think that this is going to be a welcome addition because already we've heard people say like, oh, this is great. It's going to be so much easier. Yeah. And there, there was that, the access uh, for cleaning. And then the other big change was uh, just in terms of magazines. So, you know, we, we had, and so the Mark one wouldn't fit, with a SKS D or M there, there's a, there's a lot of confusion in that because, you know, we get probably on a daily basis, you know, comments or questions just saying, why won't you make the chassis to fit an AK mag? And, you know, so we kind of have a, a formulated response to that. And it's, well, the, the chassis, you know, the AK mags lock up in the receiver in the SKS, not in the chassis. So, we can't really do anything with the chassis other than open up the mag well and and you know make some other changes so that that same version will accommodate you know your standard SKS. It will also accommodate a D, which is the factory change to allow it to accept AK mags as well as the M. Um, so we changed that, and then the other you know, but there's nothing we can do in the chassis to allow it to accept an AK mag, you know, that, that modification has that's to be a, done on the rifle. That's, a rifle. that's right. That's a rifle mod, not a chassis mod. Yeah. Now, if I had modified my SKS to take an AK mag, 
can I drop it into this chassis? The Mark yeah. II. Yeah. yeah, the Mark the Mark II. Now I can. So that's a huge improvement. You you've um, increased the number of AK or of SKSs that can drop into your chassis now. Where before you were limited to pretty much just the factory one, and you removed the original mag, correct? Yeah, yeah, and you use duckbill mags, and then yeah. the other the other change was to allow it to use the the internal mag, which we again, you know, during when we kind of conceptualized this, we didn't, I didn't think of that to be quite honest, because why would you want to use your internal mag? Well, it turns out that in a lot of, you know, in some of the specific states in the U S you're not allowed to run a detachable mag. So people wanted it in those states and they wanted to be able to use an internal mag. So, you know, we, we kind of said, Oh, okay, well, we'll make that change. It's not that hard. So make it to well, fit, you know, many walks. Yeah. 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 And even, even here in Canada, if you're progressing through your build and baby steps, well, now I can get the chassis. Yeah. I don't have a mag thing sorted out yet, but I've got the chassis and I'll just run stripper clips through the top. And then maybe if I get the, uh, the sight rail, then obviously I'll have to go to some mag thing, but it's one step at a time rather than, all right, if I buy the, uh, the Matador arms Mark one, well, that means I got to buy a bunch of duckbill mags too. Uh, maybe I'll wait. Now you don't yeah. have to wait. You can drop it right in and go. Exactly. Exactly. And just to be clear, now that the Mark II has been released, Mark II is the version that's out there. So some people have asked, like, "Oh, can we still get the Mark One?" But no. the answer is no, because this does all the same things with you know added benefits and capabilities. Yeah. 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 There's no. There's no point in producing both for the same price. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, exactly. And then the, and just some, just some changes in the, in the machining. Um, you know, we tried to, to kind of optimize all the corners and things like that and give it a much, you know, a smoother feel. Um, so some changes like that, but the dust cover and the magazine are, are pretty much the big ones. Awesome. Okay. Well, that, that covers that. Then let's talk about some of the other products that you make, like the muzzle brakes and the grips and the other site options that, uh, that you have available. And then maybe, uh, tell us about your flapjacks. Sure. Hey, sure. Trevor, can I ask you one question? Absolutely. Uh, how long did it take you to install the saber tooth? Oh, minutes. And I know you provided really good instructions, but I didn't need them. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> you know, it's just, I've been kind of eyeballing it long enough that, um, now it took me a while to get the scope mount on, but that's my bad because one, my rear sight did not want to come out. There's a couple of different methods to remove them. There's the screwdriver pressing down to take the spring tension off method. There's another one where if you just get the angle with a punch right and hit it correctly, it's going to slide right out of there. Nice and simple. But my pin didn't want to play ball, and I actually had to get the pin pressed out of the site before I could remove it from the track. And I had marred it up a little bit, so I had to get in there with a the Dremel and a sanding disc to remove the uh, the flashing that I created from uh, nailing it with the punch. But the actual putting the rifle into the chassis was literally minutes. Good. Yeah. Yeah, and that that was a a big thing for us is you know uh, just with the chassis is no no permanent modifications. So if you want to run the chassis and and you want to go back to you know a wood stock down the road, um, you know that was a big thing because uh, you know it's it's it can be pretty tough for people that you know don't have a 
a machining background or anything like that to get in there and make, you know, pretty substantial changes to the gun. So we really try and avoid that, you know. The thing that took the longest time was taking half coils off of the trigger group spring to make sure that I didn't take off a millimeter more than I had to to get a nice tight fit, but something that I could still close without a sledgehammer. So, and it's awesome that you include that spring so that you don't have to chop up the one that came with your rifle originally if for some reason you feel like putting the wood on it for the weekend or something. Yeah. 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 Um, that'd be a good hashtag, putting the wood on for the weekend. <laughs> just, uh, just trademark that. So. Uh, <laughs> it would. All right. So let, let's talk about the other products. Yeah. Uh, just with the SKS, uh, obviously we have the optics rail and then, um, you know, we, I was just mentioning, you know, the stripper clips and the fixed mags. We did the Razor, which is the scout mount. Um, lets you just basically replace your rear sight with a small a small Picatinny rail. Um, you know, you, you can then continue to use stripper clips. And depending on what size red dot you put on, uh, you can take, a, you can service, you can pop your gas tube out and use stripper clips, depending on the sight that you use. And a Razor scout mount has that... Um... And a channel, a channel. For, for backup iron sights as they, you know, as you can guess, I mean, limited by a channel in, in the mound, but you know, it's still, still, it's still there. Yeah. It's oh, still yeah. there. It's something to use if, if you need to, not that I'm saying red dots ever fail, but, um, <laughs> yeah, that, and then, and then the, we do a line of muzzle brakes, um, uh, the hammerhead brake, which is, you know, done on a 4140. It's a, it's a black nitride finish, which which I like, as opposed to black oxide, uh, laser engraved. So that's a, a you know three side ports and three vertical ports. Um, again, we're I think the M or the M, sorry the MSRP on that's fifty nine. We do those in half by twenty eight, five eighths by twenty four, M fourteen by one, M fifteen by 0.75, and probably some others coming up fairly soon. They were a really good. Um... Nolan really liked the design of the hammerhead brakes, and they were a great way for us to like diversify from just SKS accessories, mm-hmm. because you know we we like other firearms too. Yeah, no, well, of course. So, so I need a hammerhead on the front of mine now that the uh, well, I had the front sight off before the uh, Mark uh, Mark II arrived. Um, what do I have to do to get a hammerhead onto this gun? So you right now you have there's. There's only the one option right now, so you would have to remove your front sight, and then that profile that's under the front sight will actually allow you to thread it for M14 by one. M14 by one, okay. But this is where this is the downside to Nolan of having me on because I'm not so good at keeping secrets. Mm-hmm. But if you if you weren't in the mood to thread your barrel, we have another hammerhead option coming out. Just for the SKS, that it will be more of a pin-on type. Mm. Yeah, but and still the same out of forty-one forty with a black nitride finish. So, um, a little a little bit different than some of the pin-on brakes that are out there now. Uh, higher quality, but you know we'll still keep into that same pricing that we've uh, we've hit with all our other hammerhead brakes. Um, along the muzzle brake line, then we do the uh, the Stinger, which is the two component. Uh, muzzle blast diverter as we call it so you've got a a core which is the brake and then you've got a shell that goes on over top of that uh if you choose to run that you know obviously you know running a brake can sometimes be loud 
Um, so if you're in a situation where, you know, you're at an indoor range or something like that, or a crowded, a crowded line at a, at a, at a range and you don't want to have everyone hate you. Mm. And your name is, your name is Fred. <laughs> we got a friend. Yeah. Like everybody loves that guy running the 12 and a half inch barreled AR. And a yeah. Big muffin, muffin, so. muffin does it too. <laughs> standing inside a building with a mark 18 and a comp and he's making it rain on my head it's wonderful exactly. actually we got that email today somebody saying like oh i want your stinger but is it is it too loud well we said no such thing but yeah exactly these that's guys, what this sounds for <laughs> yeah these guys would be asking i'm not sure if it's loud enough you know? yeah so um, awesome what else the line of brakes and then we have the the skeletonized aluminum uh, grip for the AR-15, um, which has been fun to do. I mean, it's been a lot of fun, and it's it's a really cool product. And I think, based on my research, that um, we're the only ones in Canada that actually make the aluminum skeletonized grip. It so looks pretty it's, cool. It's pretty good. Um, we call it the cage grip fat because we had plans or have plans for possibly another version. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe a slim version, but um, this one actually came from like more so Nolan's desire. He he designed it and he really liked sort of like that it fit his you know big palm swell as we like to say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. And actually, we've seen quite a few builds of people putting it on even on their SKSs with the saber tooth, of course. And it anybody's build that you see the cage grip on, it just looks so great. I think it really it really adds to whether it's an AR or the SKS. It's, it looks really cool. Yeah, well, it's it's been fun to do that and kind of see what the reception is. Um, yeah, and then the flapjacks. Oh yeah, I think I think the flapjacks are really funny because we was talking about hashtags. We always hashtag like stronger than plastic because, as you can see, we're fans of aluminum. Yeah. But um, but for fun we started playing with plastics recipes and and we came up with these reactive self-healing flapjacks targets. Yeah. And they're, they're again, that just kind of comes from me because I like shooting them. So I wanted to figure out how to, how to make them and how to come up with that, that compound that reacts as, as self-healing. And, you know, they, they, they do kind of, they suit me because, you know, when I go to the range, one, I don't, always necessarily like to drag out a bunch of steel um sometimes you're not allowed to then a lot of people aren't allowed to so we kind of wanted to make that for indoor ranges as well that so we we do try and push those on indoor ranges where you get that you know that challenge of hitting a, a reactive target you know and you don't have to be outdoors shooting steel um they're so much fun i think they're like they're good for really experienced shooters who want to you know go out and practice or competitive shooters but they're equally as fun for you know people like me or who even have less experience than me because i've been to the range enough times to know that i'm not so interested in walking back to those cardboard targets and taping them anymore i don't know why that ends up being my job (laughs) but but, um it's so satisfying to hit a reactive target like this and and see it move just instantly. And we've seen that when we take our friends out who have never shot at all before, just how excited they get, you know, to make it, the target flap around. 
Exactly. I mean, there's nothing better to get a newbie hooked than a reactive target because, you know, they're unsure of themselves. And when they hit something that reacts, they get immediate feedback and uh, it just reinforces that that happy good time. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, everybody asks us like, oh, how long will they last? And so far, our, our token answer is, you know, hundreds of rounds. But let us know when you tear one up because we haven't been able to and it's not for lack of trying (laughs) we put many many rounds through them we've you know given them to others to test out who might have more time to get out there than we do and we still haven't found anybody who's you know ready for a new one (laughs) what uh what are they rated for like is there a certain caliber you stop at are they just 22 what's the story 22, 22 to and any center fire pistol round. So okay. I've and as long as you don't use hollow points, um, yeah. obviously that's the caveat with any of the the polymer targets. Um, I mean, I've shot them. I shoot them pretty regularly with forty four mag. Um, I have shot them with five hundred Smith and Wesson. Um, obviously, you're going to get more life using a nine millimeter than a five hundred, but. Uh-huh. Um, you know, they as long as you're in the in the in the range of center fire pistol cartridges, uh, they'll react. And of course, it's not unsafe to shoot them with with center fire rifle cartridges. You know, like a five five six or something. But then you you won't get the same reaction, right? Um, oh, and give those targets to anybody, and nobody actually shoots what we recommend them to <laughs> shoot. Everybody wants to try something different we actually saw them being shot at with a 12 gauge recently yeah really yeah and and they they, they survived wow yeah i don't know if i'd say they flapped around other than like (laughs) they they really went for a spin and then had to unwind again they they flapped over the berm but uh okay um, i was going to say these would be great for like uh kids and youth shoots yeah yeah, yeah, for sure. And and exactly like, like Trevor said, the, the instruction, you know, mm-hmm. the new shooters. So you're not having to go back and forth to the target when you're teaching someone to say, you know, it's either you, you hit it or you didn't, and you get to choose your distance. Obviously, if you want to shoot them at three yards, you're safe to do so. Mm-hmm. If you want to shoot them at 25 yards, you know, the same thing. So you can kind of you can kind of vary the challenge there based on your distance. You've got no, depending on how, of course, the, the users um, mounting them. You've got no no recoil or sorry, no ricochet issues from mm-hmm. from the targets themselves. And we give the mounting options like we provide screws if they want to go outside and you know screw them into wood. And then we also do zip ties so that in the indoor range it's really easy just to hang on there on your hanger so um we do recommend zip tying them if you're indoors just because if you hit them and they come out of the clip uh, then of course they're they fall down on the grain on the on the range down range and you're forced to to go down there and get them or lose the target right so um but yeah the thing we've had is when we go to the indoor ranges because we a lot of the we've started pushing them at the indoor ranges locally obviously because that's easiest for us to go in and show them and see if they'll put them to use and we have across Canada a lot of our other dealers are taking them in their retail shops and we're hoping we'll see them in more indoor ranges but it's funny when showing them to people especially at the indoor ranges everybody because they're four inch in diameters and everybody's like I think you need to make these bigger come on guys (laughs) we're like well just put them closer 
Exactly. Exactly. Um, so pretty exciting news that the Canadian Tire has taken these on. I mean, that's that's a nationwide chain. Your product is now in a nationwide chain. That's... It is in it is in select locations of the nationwide. Oh uh, well, it's hey, but you know, it's, star, it's in more yeah. Canadian tires than my products. Uh-huh. <laughs> so. It's funny, you, you saw that, uh, my Instagram post the other day, obviously, but I I mean it, whether it's Canadian Tire or another shop we're walking through, or even sometimes when, you know, we see our dealers advertising our stuff, I don't know how long you have to be around until that's not exciting, but I think it's going to, it would be a long, long time because we take, you know, we put a lot of hard work and effort and time into all of our products and it's you know we have such pride when we see others who are selling them or buying them or equally as excited about them so so yeah it's a good feeling we have a few of the local canadian tires here who have taken you know they pick and choose from our product lineup Mm -hmm. and see what moves and yeah we are hoping that we can grow that we've we've started to contact some out your guys's way and we'll see what comes of that and yeah, that's yeah. That's been a fun part of of you know doing this is you know on any any given day or or given hour we you know we might get an email from someone in you know Newfoundland or or Tennessee or something like that saying hey we've got your product and you know it's we like we love it or something you know um, so shipping to all those different locations and you know it's always fun to see that people you know in kind of far off places are are getting access to the Do you have that map uh, of Canada and maybe North America up on the wall in the office with a push pin (laughs) and every place that you've sent a chassis to? Not quite yet, but that would be a really good idea. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, in just the past couple of weeks, we've been contacted too by a few shops overseas and we've got Germany, Italy, and New Zealand. So we'll see what comes of that, but that's exciting too. Just that, you know, words getting out about us and more and more people can start enjoying our high quality and fair price products. Very well put. (laughs) You're the van of this outfit. I can tell. That's awesome. (laughs) So, um, that that was intentional. I I couldn't tell. I don't, uh, I don't pick up on sarcasm very well. Um, Okay. Have you met Matthew? Do you... <laughs> I think he's gone flying. We haven't heard from him in about twenty minutes. But uh... yeah, my, my yeah, bye. <laughs> let's uh, let's let's wrap this up by talking about what's next for Matador Arms. Can you give us any sneak peeks or teasers to any new products coming out the uh, off the assembly line soon? I think. Well, yeah. First, I got to say, and that's kind of one of my one of my pet peeves in the kind of the industry in Canada it seems to be that we don't like to telegraph anything that we're doing just because you know in the the whole product development cycle you know something can be it can all be right let, let me ask let me ask you a, a question if yeah. I was shopping for an SKS magazine release type device should <laughs> I may should I maybe wait a little bit and see if there's something coming out from matador arms or should i just go buy one now uh, what would what would you do if you were me i would recommend waiting i think i'd say give okay. it three or four weeks All yeah right. so okay the our, our the immediate... motto is is like we don't like to we we usually don't announce a product until it's in the package and ready to sell which is that, brilliant actually that way we don't need to nobody has to wait <laughs> for anything we don't need to you know estimate our timelines that are 
never accurate. <laughs> right, and the f- and the first time you miss one, you'll be crucified in all the forums everywhere. Yeah. Oh yeah, and yeah. I that's that's seeing that over the years, like as a consumer, it drives me wild. Somebody posts something or puts something out there, like you know, hey, pre-order this now, or I'll have this in three weeks, and then like mm. nine months later, everyone's still like, where the heck is it? Yeah, um, no, awful. Okay, so, so soon, yeah, fairly soon here we'll have our our SKS pin on break, the hammerhead breakout for the SKS, and then also a magazine release that'll follow shortly after, um, which will be worth waiting for. I think definitely worth waiting for. Should be a fun one. Um, Revamped, and then yeah, the the skeletonized grip. We're doing an updated version on that. Um, I don't really have a timeline on when that'll actually hit shelves and stores and then the muzzle blast diverter we're, we're kind of doing some updates on that so those four things will be coming out probably over the next you know in the, in the next couple of weeks to you know possibly two months away i guess on the outside and for both the the skeletonized grip and the stinger the the design is changing a little bit and um because the de- the design is changing it's going to be an even better price and that's that's really always our goal. That was always Nolan's goal. Like if we're, if we're going to make stuff, you know, let's make it really well, but let's make it so that people want to buy it and it's not going to cost them an arm and a leg. So we've, we've looked at our stinger and it's gotten really good reviews, but Nolan had some, you know, good ideas on how to change the design. And because of that, we can, we can do it for cheaper. So, so so we think that's going to be well received all around. I'm sure innovation is important. That's good. Anytime you can change how something is being manufactured or redesign it to save the consumer money. I mean, that's win, 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 win. So, so, so those are the things we can tell you about the others. You'll have to wait for our announcements, but there, there will be more announcements to come. There's a long to do list and there's a, I'd say the top quarter of it. We're hoping to have come out in the next few months, which is really exciting for us and very busy for us. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and that's one facet of the business that I enjoy is kind of the more of the R and D stuff. Um, you know, so we, we do always have projects that we're, we're working on that, uh, you know, I never know if they're going to see the light of day, but we keep chugging away on them. So. That's, I mean, that's what you guys, as soon as you stop moving forward, you start going backwards. So your, your head is in the right place. No, no question. Um, why don't we wrap this up by, uh, you telling us where people can find you plug all of your social media, your website. How do we track down these amazing products? That Annika can answer that a lot better than I can. So, well, our, you can find us our websites, matadorarms.com. We are on Instagram at hmm, matador underscore arms. <laughs> and we're on Facebook at matador arms. And we're on Twitter. We're available on email all the time, info at matadorarms.com. And we also have um, a mailing list that you can sign up for on our website. So whether you get our email newsletter or you follow us on any of the social media programs or you check in on our website you'll always be the first to hear of our product announcements and any dealer news we have and all of our dealers are listed on our website as well and yeah that might be one point to clarify is we don't we don't do any uh direct sale yeah you gotta find a dealer yeah no everything we do is to support the dealers so 
you know, feel free to contact us and we'll point you in the right way or, or contact them. Excellent. Are well, guys, hoping, are you hoping go- that by saying that on here that we won't get all those emails? I <laughs> 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 just buy direct. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's going to happen. People are going to ask no matter what. That's um, okay. You know what? Um, we it takes it takes some time, but like I said before, like we're really excited when others are excited about our stuff. So we actually like the interaction and the contact we get all the time. Well, you've been great, uh, Annika, getting back and f- uh, to me every time I send a uh, correspondence. You're you're replying right away, and I certainly appreciate it. And it's made me, you know, feel like a valued customer. And I got to tell you, I appreciate you guys coming on. I certainly appreciate the amazing chassis that I received, and I also appreciate you. Matter Arms is responsible for changing my attitude towards the SKS. So anything is possible, I guess. If uh, if I can like an SKS, maybe you can too. So, uh-huh. well, thank and, you. I think actually somebody pointed out to us once on an episode, maybe a couple months ago, they sent us a message and said, Hey, I just heard Trevor Furlot say something about wanting a saber tooth. Like, you guys should probably use that for your, you know, Canadian advertising <laughs> campaign if he's telling the truth. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I was. I was. And like I said, it's not that I wanted an SKS. It's that I wanted your product because I just I recognized the quality right from the minute this thing hit the internet. I was like, yes, that is definitely worth owning. It's worth buying an SKS just so you can own that chassis because that chassis, you guys nailed it and got it right. And then you nailed it again with the Mark II. So congratulations. It's been an awesome year. Go and- go buy one and then go shoot a gopher in the face. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's well, it. not in New Brunswick, though. You'll get in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, there's a time of year where we can do that. I guess during bear season. No, in the springtime. I think it's legal all year round in Alberta, but I'm not sure. Yeah, so. you guys are lucky. Oh, yeah, no, you're right, Matthew. you got to do it in the fall. Yep, sorry. I know, I know. Yeah, I don't know. Well, but really, is there, is there an actual gopher season out there? No, no, we well, have we caliber have restrictions. Season. Yeah, varmint season goes from February until... Moose season in the fall, and then it starts up again. But basically, during... we can only shoot larger caliber rifles when you hold a large game tag. So yeah, if you have it. a big game tag, like a deer, moose, or bear, you can shoot any gun you want at anything you want. But if you only have a varmint license or a small game license, you can only shoot calibers smaller than twenty-three. Yeah, so it's basically twenty-two to fifty is the biggest thing you're going to get away with. Yeah, so. which is why I don't own an SKS yet. But maybe someday. I'll go shoot Trevor's, and if I like it, then, you know, yeah, well, maybe. Trevor's got two now. Well, that's yeah, kind no. of weird. Yeah. Like like in Alberta, you can hunt with the 7.62 by 39, but you can in, I believe you can in Saskatchewan. Yeah, we can hunt with it here. Why can't you hunt with it there? Well, because, why can't, yeah. I mean, why can't I shoot a gopher in the face with an SKS? It's, yeah. it's silly questions, right? Yeah, they, just, they, they, don't, they don't calculate energy. Whereas I think in Saskatchewan they calculate by energy. Here it's overall length, which is weird. I, I believe I haven't looked into that. Recently. You know, you but know it's, they. Yeah, it's an inane provincial law or something. So they they certainly don't calculate energy in New Brunswick when they say you can shoot a deer with any center fire rifle. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> if it's center fire, you're good to go. So Seventeen Hornet, that. good to go. Yep. Good to go. <laughs> well, anyway, guys, once again, thank you very much. Uh, Wait, it's Seventeen been Hornet. Awesome. 22 Hornet, not 17 20, Hornet. What the heck's a 17 Hornet? That'd be awesome. It, I should invent it's a, that. It, it's Sorry, my mic's not muted. Whoops. 
no, no, it wasn't. Way to destroy a perfectly good interview. That's fantastic. Oh, hey, look, I do what I can. It must be the end of the interview, though, because it's getting awkward. It is awesome. It's better you than me, Matthew. Hey, well, thanks very much for having us on, guys. We really appreciate it. It's great to chat with you guys. And I just want to say, open invitation. You're always welcome here on Slamfire Radio. Anytime you want to let our listeners know about new products, innovations, anything that's coming down the pipe, you want to plug something, door is always open. Just drop us a line, and we will have you on in a heartbeat. Awesome. No, we appreciate it. Oh, that. he doesn't know what he's getting himself into. <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much. That's appreciated. Thank you. Take care, guys. You too. Well, thanks again to uh, Annika. Anika? What was it again? <laughs> You're just talking to them. Come on. Not saying nothing. <laughs> uh, we just, we just, I'm not saying nothing other and, than And Nolan right. from, uh, from Matador Arms for coming on talking mostly to Trevor about his new SKS build. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that, uh, that was good. It was an enjoyable conversation. So thanks again to them, and uh, hopefully we have them on again someday. So uh, email. We got some email, and um, if you guys remember last week, we kind of um, – Kind of called out Fred a little bit, and mm-hmm. so we we got some backlash from that, and so let's uh, let's kick that off. So um, Trevor, uh, you can you want to take this first one here from Filthy. All right. So the first one is from our favorite clone trooper, Filthy. He says, "Hi guys. As a longtime listener, I felt the need to write in about Trevor's mentioning poor Fred got dumped again. I'm outraged that I don't have a podcast that I can make fun of my squire on." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the Empire Rocks, Filthy. Well, so, Fred replied. Yeah. and uh, He didn't reply to Filthy, but Fred sent in his own. He sent, Yeah, Fred sent in his own. Um, yeah, so he says, hello, everyone. Fred here. This is my first time writing into the show, but I felt compelled to do so since I was called out in the last episode. Kelly, Matthew, and Adriel, you guys are doing an amazing job. The best trio when it comes to Pro Gun Podcast. I just want to let all the other ones who care know that I'm doing fine. I'm currently taking applications. <laughs> Must love guns, motorcycles, and have an appreciation for good coffee and French humor. Hey, that's I'm... me. <laughs> Sorry. No, French okay. humor. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> Anyways. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, P.S. I still like you, Trevor, but you're off the Christmas card list. Hell, who am I kidding? You've never, I've never sent a single card in my life. I guess you're safe from this one. P.P.S. Keep up the good work. It always makes me laugh out loud to get made... Uh, a little fun of on the show. Hopefully I get to see the whole crew this year at the charity shoot. Yes, Adriel, you too. Make it happen. And that comes to us, of course, from Fred, Filthy Squire, and Trevor's too. He's getting old as well. He has taken <laughs> to carrying some of my gear, so I appreciate that. Fred's a good sport. He's a, he's a really nice guy, and if he's taking applications, single ladies, you should line up. Yeah, you want to be the next one to dump them. I yeah, mean, I mean, why not? <laughs> you, want, you want that 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 claim to fame? Like, yeah, I was the one that dumped them after that episode. Remember yeah. that? Yeah, you could, that could be you, ladies. It could be you. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, Kelly. This next one from Josh. Yeah, my friend Patty, who listens to your podcasts, and I have had a long-standing disagreement. I was hoping that you, the excellent hosts of Slamfire, could help. I have a Stoger P two thousand. But the original stock was uh, too long, so I decided to make my own. I find I find the pistol grip most comfortable. It is not meant to be a tactical. The camo gave it away. And it turns a lot of heads at the range. I know I'm not uh, 
I know it's not perfect, and is my it is my very first time making a stock, but I enjoy the names Patty and the other range friends have given it. Uh, it is too bad there's not an aftermarket. It is too bad there is not an aftermarket stock for it, like a cool, uh, like a cool like the Tapco one for the SKS. Sorry, I'm screwing up your uh, email here, Josh. Thanks again, and keep up the great work. I and if- I say yay, yeah. No, this this is a beautiful picture. Um, I hope Adriel links it uh, in the show I'll notes. Put it in the because, show notes. Oh yeah, this is this is uh, this is the stock that Trevor has been waiting for. <laughs> Listen, <clears throat> so in the email it says "cool like a Tapco uh, for an SKS." So anyone who actually thinks that builds this kind of <laughs> atrocity. <laughs> Is the best way I can. Well, no, it, it's uh, it's pretty it, horrible. Here's the thing: the workmanship looks nice. The workmanship, workmanship, whatever. It, yeah, it looks craft, like it was built nice, but it's, it's a well-made, ugly stock. Is that yeah. what you're trying to say? That's what I'm trying. Well, yeah, yeah, it's ugly, but the work and the craftsmanship was amazing. There you go, you craftsmanship. Know. That's what I was looking for. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, good. yeah, it looks great. Uh, it's just a wood pistol grip on a shotgun is. This need not be a well, long-standing disagreement. This is a pretty short, you're right, it's mm, bad, move on. The only reason why I would say it's cool is, is just to push Trevor's buttons. That's it. Yeah. Mission so accomplished. I'm, uh, I, I've done that, and now I can, uh, I can agree with anybody else who says that <laughs> while great work, um, yeah. I, mm, <laughs> if you can't say something nice, don't say nothing at all. How about Rob's email then? Let's just let's just transition awkwardly uh, into that. Awkwardly. Okay, so Adriel, you're the awkwardest one. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, and good morning, Kelly. I sent this as a message through Patreon, but I have no idea if you've seen it or are just politely ignoring me. So I thought I'd email you too. You can uh, get we're, we're impolitely ignoring you. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're yeah we're impolitely yeah. Yeah, see, here's the thing. If you want us to, to, to see something, you need to email us, slamfireradio at gmail.com. Anything you, there's, we, we have a multitude of different ways that we can be contacted. This is the only one we reliably check. So we, we don't politely or impolite ignore anybody on purpose, but if you don't send it to gmail.com, we're not going to get it. Fred, that includes the message you sent us tonight on Facebook that almost didn't make it into it the show. It almost didn't make it. That was uh, that was a quick catch almost, by somebody. It's almost like you got dumped again. <laughs> almost. If we'd forgotten uh, to read it. Sorry. Go, go, go ahead. Carry Bob on. Bob goes Adriel. on. Yeah. You asked for volunteers to do a patreon show, so I would like to put my hand up uh, if you'd be interested in having an Englishman living in Australia on a Canadian podcast talking about shooting a Czech gun in a sport that started in the USA, Ipsic, and hunting European introduced species, pigs, foxes, rabbits, cats, and wild dogs, that are destroying Australian uh, native animals and habitats with American-designed guns built for American and Flemish companies in Japan and Russia, give me a shout. Wow, you've basically (laughs) got the whole gamut covered. I just figured out why he said in good morning, Kelly, because whenever we're normally saying good night, it's good morning for him because he's in Australia. Mm -hmm. Nice. You're clever, yep. Rob. Uh, I have a love of 22 LR, lever actions, milserps, military weapons, reloading, my favorite indoor hobby, IPSC, shooting, and guns in general, and about to get back into PCP air rifles. <laughs> I'm glad you put Don't air rifles it. at the end of that. 
<laughs> not just PCP. <laughs> yeah, I'm just getting back into PCP. All right. We'll have you on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My life's been way too stable for eight months, so it's back to PCP. <laughs> uh, could also be a good excuse to get Steve Lee on again. I don't know him personally, although I've spoken with him a couple uh, in a couple of our mutual Facebook groups. But I am a fan of his music, YouTube channel, and a big fan of his work for our gun rights down here. Not sure how we'd go about it with a time difference, GMT plus 11 until April 2nd, then GMT plus 10. But I don't mind staying up into the wee hours for a few dra- uh, with a few drams of single malt. Just oh, don't man. ask me to get up early unless we're going shooting. Should be able to find me on Skype with my email. Regards, Rob. Cool. Yeah, we should have Rob on sometime. He's, yeah. He sounds like a fun guy to talk to. Rob could be yeah. a host. I think Rob he's more qualified than we are. Yeah. <laughs> we should all quit and just give the show to Rob. Yeah. And we'll Welcome just listen there. to him rant on PCP. <laughs> <laughs> no? Oh. Yes. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 If you come on, Rob, it's got to be on PCP. <laughs> all right. So don't really do drugs. Drugs are bad. <laughs> just a uh, side note. Um, they are, just say no. Uh, and, uh, you if need you... to explain to our readers not to smoke PCP. Yeah, I. Our readers. I think if you're the kind of the, the readers. Listeners. If you're the kind of person that reads this podcast, you probably if are not PCP, smart enough to realize yeah. that you shouldn't do PCP. If you're on PCP and you're reading this podcast, <laughs> <laughs> which they probably are, <laughs> <laughs> press the play button, listen to it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So so say no to drugs, and if you would like to email us. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, slamfireradio at gmail.com, and that's the best way to get a hold of us. Although we do really like the iTunes reviews, too. And we did get another one this uh, this week, so uh, a special thank you to Stacy for uh, checking and sending it in. Um, Upcountry Canuck sent it in, five stars. The title is Love SFR, and the review is, great podcast. I listen to it in my truck all the time, especially on long drives. Well, I hope okay, you're in for a long, a long drive. drive last week. <laughs> and you're, I think you're in for another long drive this week, too. We're getting up there. But, um, yeah, hopefully it's interesting. Let, let us know, uh, feedback-wise. Um, send us an email or, you know, iTunes review if you like. Let us know uh, the length of time. Is this, uh, is this okay? Is this not okay? Do you, do you prefer shorter shows, longer shows? Uh, just let us know what, uh, what you prefer, and we may or may not listen to you. We're, we're basically going to do whatever we want, probably. But... Um, it would be nice to know that, uh, you know, maybe if we can, if we can help out by uh, shortening it up or making it longer or whatever. We we like to hear that sort of stuff. We want to know what you guys are thinking, and we want to please as many people as we possibly can. I guess, right? Absolutely. Yep. I wasn't talking to you. I'm talking to Olivia. Be nice. Be nice to know we're getting huh. it right. That's basically what that boils yeah, down to. Yeah. We we yeah. T- write us in if you like what we're doing. If you don't like what we're doing, it's Brian Bolivar at gmail dot com. <laughs> <laughs> it really is his email. That's awesome. Is it really? That's great. So yeah, send him an email, and you two he can commiserate about uh, the terribleness of SFR because I'm sure that he loves to do it anyway. So um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, iTunes reviews are cool too. So send us one of those if you haven't, um, because we like them. Uh, shoutouts, folks. I have one. Well, it's kind of a couple, and sure. I just wanted to say uh, it was great to meet everybody at the. Uh, at the uh, CCFR booth at the Toronto Spongebob Show, especially J. Joe, um, uh, Booker T., and uh, Mark T. Great to see you guys. And I just want to let you know that, uh, especially um, my co-host, that I talked to Jazz last night, 
and uh, Jasmine, and uh, it was really great to uh, talk to him, and I just wanted to give him a shout-out as well. Awesome. Great, great to catch up. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Adrio, do you have I any shout-outs? Yeah, similar thing. Uh, all the guys who were at the CCFR booth on Sunday, it was awesome talking with you, awesome manning the booth, and uh, we got to get out and shoot and, and uh, you know, do gun stuff. <laughs> cool. All right, Patreon supporters. Nothing? Oh, yeah. I was hoping Trevor was going to no. flip out because he didn't get asked if he had any shout-outs. It's not, it's, not, it's not professional. You just move on. And discuss it afterwards. Since when have you ever been accused of being professional? I've never been accused of being professional. You're right. a jerk. Do you to have any shout-outs? No- yes, I do. <laughs> to, all the, uh, to all the Nova Scotia Ipsic shooters who listen, at least two of you that I know of, Malcolm and... Uh, Oh, right out of my head. Oh, my God. He's going to kick my butt when I get down there. I hope so. Charlie. Jeez, Charlie. Charlie and Malcolm. Uh, yeah, we'll see you guys and anybody else from those ghosts who shoots Ipsic and listens. Uh, Fusilier, I believe. Um, we'll see you guys at uh, Spring Bank next week. Cool. All right, then. So now, Patreon supporters. So we love our Patreon supporters. Um, if you don't know what Patreon is, it's just a, a, a way for listeners to... Uh, help support the show financially, and it helps pay for bandwidth and new cool equipment and to make better audio quality and, and stuff like that. And you get patches and stickers if you sign up. So uh, we do have a new Patreon supporter, Dean M. He uh, is donating in the amount of $3.08, so three oh eight. Um, we we like people, or it, it's sort of been a, a common recurring theme is people are donating in calibers. So uh, he's picked uh, one of the best calibers out there, 308. So good on you, Dean, and thank you very much. And to the rest of you, you Patreonies, you are awesome. We hope you enjoyed that last uh, special episode that went out. Um, we had a lot of fun making it. It was a really good show. So, um, yeah, the rest of you who uh, who want to know what that's all about, Sign up, and uh, you get all kinds of cool content. And if you want to hear a particular topic, because we get right into it. It's not oh, a regular yeah. show. We get right into the topic. Yeah, we, it's just topic. There's, yeah, yeah, it's just topic. Yeah. We barely even remember to introduce ourselves or yep. the uh, guests. No, we it's straight in. If yeah, if you're listening to us on Patreon, we shouldn't have to introduce ourselves. No. But the guests is kind of important. Yeah, they kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah so. so send us some suggestions about what you'd like to hear. Or uh, and if you want to come on, uh, any every single one of the Patreons is uh, is cordially invited to uh, appear on the show. So um, let us know if, if you like, just like Rob did, just send us a quick email. Let us know if you want to come on. You don't have to uh, you don't have to interview for the position. If you support us, you're coming on the show if you want. Period. And, so and you too may get a nickname like Ginger Snaps. You certainly might. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So we or, hold. Yeah. Or Ginger we, Snaps. We bear no responsibility for what may or may not happen. No. So, I'm yeah. not. No. no. Responsible, no. please. No. Responsible. And I have adult supervision on this show. Like, yeah. Kelly's here, and I still can't, like, mm. control myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No filter. Mm-mm. Cool. All right. Um, so, yeah, that's the end of the show, basically. Goodbye. So, goodbye. Well, what it, I mean, you should join a National Firearms Association, like the CCFR. Oh, yeah, do that. Definitely CCSA that. and... Um, you know, go shooting some guns because shooting guns is awesome, and it uh, it makes uh, the sport uh, more exposed. That's kind of a creepy way of putting that, but I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> gun Owners of Canada, cool gun forum. Check us out there. Just go, just go check out Gun Owners of Canada. It's a cool forum. Lots of nice guys there. Uh, we have a Facebook page. It's uh, just Landfire Radio, I think. You can go like that if you want and uh, and see what's going on there. We we do accept um, other 
things, and we currently do have uh, five gold stars, a signed 858 petition, four thumbs up, two Harambe thumbs, one Mogan David, two Sig P226 handguns, three platinum bullets, an adult-inspired foregrip. So that uh, that's basically just a miniature adult uh, figurine that is the foregrip. Is that correct? <laughs> yes, it is. I, I believe that is correct because that that's that's yeah that's the only way that um, that's staying in. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, so yeah, that's that's the show. Any uh, any parting thoughts, folks? Buy an SKS. Wow! <laughs> oh no! Wow. We're gonna put that. We gotta edit that into some old shows where we he's really should he's really crap. Any parting thoughts? Yes. Like, Buy an SKS. What? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now nobody's going to want to donate money to the charity shoot to see me shoot an SKS. Yeah, you kind of didn't think that one through, did you? No, that got screwed. Ah, whatever. You can what still you shoot it do? if you want. Yeah, you still donate money to see me do sure. it in a dress, apparently. Yeah. Well, it's the dress now that's going to make it cool, I guess. I guess. If cool is the right word for this sort of turn of events. <laughs> <laughs> it is that indeed, a turn of events. Events have turned. They certainly have. And by turning, that's a terrible segue. You should turn off the podcast now because we're done. So if you have any comments or questions for the show, please send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Now go grab a gun and shoot something. When the talking is over, it's time to get a gun. Here we go. Nolan. So his name is Nolan. Her name is Anika. Oh, that's right. Is it Anika or Anika? I've never heard it pronounced that way. Anika? You have never What's watched What's that background noise? Talking? That's me cooking. Oh, okay. I'm going to turn it off. Yeah, yeah, yes. no, it's cool. I was just curious <laughs> before. I was just making yeah. sure it wasn't something that I needed to fix. No, uh, I've only ever heard the name pronounced Anika. Well, not speakers, but headsets and stuff if needed. Okay. Uh, Matthew, what do you think? You want mm, to try I want to hear some more. All right, uh, you got to. Should we sing you a song or what? Well, that would be great. First of all, how do you pronounce your name? We'll go with Annika. Oh, damn. All right. All right. I, I win. I, there we go. There she is. <laughs> oh, Kelly, I almost forgot. Shut up. Um, cool. Thanks, no. folks. Hopefully we didn't talk too much because you guys were quiet in the background there. No, no, it's well, fine. We so, like to let our yeah. guests talk. Yeah, it's about you guys, right? Other, otherwise, I end up saying stupid stuff like 17 Hornet. <laughs> I think it might be a good idea. I'd, I'd, be, I'd buy one, definitely. I'd it would be that. cool, wouldn't it? <laughs> sure. Yeah. But yeah, 22 Hornet. I, was, I, I heard it, Matthew, but I was like, it's okay. It's okay. Just move on. We're just wrapping let it up. Go. <laughs> no, I couldn't do that. There probably is a 17 Hornet there. We just don't know about it. Yeah, so. exactly. Every time I think I've invented a Wildcat, I Google it, and there it is on Wikipedia. Yeah. Yeah, it exactly. all exists. Man, what if you take a forty-five ACP and neck it down to nine? Oh, it's already out there. Yeah, okay, it's been yeah. done. Hey, what if you? T- oh, it's no, already. That, yeah, someone did that too. I guess nine mil down to twenty-two. Yep, that's been yeah, done. That's there cool. is a seventeen Hornet. Is there really? Yeah, the, yeah, is the seventeen, 17 Hornet caliber it's, center fire cartridge. Yep, and yep, it's yep, center yep. fire wildcat cartridge. Yep. There you go. No, there's there's a seventeen Hornet that uh, it doesn't look like the twenty two Hornet with like oh. the real curvy case. It's more like an angled kind of a thing. You know what this means, it's folks? About the same size. We're getting emails. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Hi, well, Adriel. Welcome. Hey. Sorry. Hi, Adriel. Howdy. <laughs> Sorry you missed it, Adriel. My totally my fault. 